Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Your Majesty, I have more in common with a podcast than I have with you. I love podcasts. I've always loved podcasts. Oh! 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 Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome! Uh, To this podcast. I hope you love podcasts. I hope you've always loved podcasts. Yes. Uh, My name's Griffin Newman. David Sim. This is a podcast. It's called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Now comes a colon. Colon ascending, <laughs> colon the Podchowski casters. My colon's ascending into my body, deeper mm. and deeper. Because uh, this is a mini-series we're doing. We're, we're starting to hit the end of this mini-series. Uh, it's called the Pachowski casters. Making a sad face. <laughs> I mean, David was trying to make a sad face, but it looked, just looked like Donald Duckbeak. <laughs> he was making a duck face. He stuck his lips out. It was trying to be a pout, but it just looked like he was trying to kiss somebody. Yes. Um, and, and this is a yes. movie about kissing in a way. It has a kiss. I don't it know. It has like a kiss or two. Yeah. I'm really, uh, uh, exhausted. Tired. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when we do this podcast, I say that I'm tired cause I like didn't sleep well the night before. I'm tired cause we, uh, I wrap, I wrap the TV show. Uh, what, what's this now? Uh, the, pilot, the tick. Explain. Uh, Le tick. <laughs> That's uh, the French title. The, yeah. Uh, we, you know, we fucking we stocked up those episodes in advance, so you haven't missed a week. But this is our first time recording in three weeks, dude. Dude, it's been so long since I've seen Griffin Newman. It's, it's been actually crazy. I've been, I've missed him a lot. Absence yeah. makes it's the heart been grow really sad. Funder. Yep. Um, but yeah, in the time in between uh, our Cloud Atlas episode and our Jupiter Sending episode uh, today, you made the tick. I made the tick. I made mm-hmm. a pilot. Mm-hmm. The pilot will go online in August. Cool. Anyone can watch it. Prime is membership l- or no? Oh, oh, the, the the pilots are for everybody. I believe it's for everyone. Yeah, I think you're right. And then, uh, and then they'll see if people like it, and if so, we get to make uh, more of it. So uh, you know, keep keep your eyes open on the Amazon homepage. They got some good deals coming up on toilet paper, but also in August there'll be a pilot. Yeah, I recently bought some pantry moth traps from Amazon Prime, and uh, yeah, they appear to be working. Preparing for my role as Arthur, the man in the moth suit. Very good point. And that is, that's what it was all about. You. Not my pantry moth infestation. Yep. Uh, tie-in. Uh, <laughs> promotional tie-in. Um, yeah. Fin- finish the show. Good. Uh, I think How'd it's, it go? I think it's really good. I'm holding a microphone up to you. Yeah. Even though you're talking into a microphone. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's going to be good. Great. Uh, we're, we worked real hard. Um, nope. I, you know, I, uh, I tried to constantly step out of my head and just sort of view it as like, uh, you're a Tick fan. What would you want to see from this show right now? And both make my decisions based on that. Mm-hmm. Not based on like what I think the people want to see, but based on what I would want to see as a fan of this property, because that's all I can fucking do is make the show that I would want to see. I understand. But I would also sort of try to look at the show surrounding me and be like, yeah, I think I think this is the show that I would want to see as a fan, that I do want to see as a fan. Uh, you know, I, I have some problems with the guy that cast as Arthur. It's going to be hard for me to watch it. <laughs> Because uh, I'm not a big fan of Griffin Newman projects. Nope. Uh, sounds like I'm making a joke. I'm not. No, it's I get a, it. You don't want to watch yourself yeah, on screen. It uh, freaks terrible, you out. Yeah. Terrible. No, no, no. I, uh, I don't like I'm my least favorite actor. But uh, I think I think the show's really good. Uh, Peter Serafinowicz is in it. Killed it. Uh, people are gonna fucking come when they hear uh, his voice and see him in the suit and everything. It's like uh, it's really it's really dead on. I've seen pictures of you in your super suit. I they showed you pictures. Top secret. Top secret. 
I'll say this. There was a moment when I was in the suit and I was like looking in the mirror on set, like not even in my, but like with the lights on me and everything on set, but in the scene, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I get you. And I had the helmet with sort of the antenna and mm-hmm. the goggles and everything in my hand. I was holding it under my arm and I was like, I kind of look like Speed Racer right now. Nah. It had a sort of Speed Racer vibe, the jumpsuit. I rewatched Speed Racer while you were uh, again. The tick. I did. I bought it on Blu-ray and rewatched uh, it. I did too. I yeah, haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Uh, you buy it from Amazon? Yeah, I good. Did. Fucking, I don't want to promote this. this company. Yeah, yeah, whatever. All good right. company. Uh, but yeah, uh, tick is finished. Do you think you could talk Amazon into just hosting this podcast and uh, <sighs> turning it into that. an Amazon empire? Yeah. Like just like just make it part of Prime. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, honestly, you joke. I'm getting my fucking hooks in with them because they got so much money to spend. Just, I'm gonna start pitching I'm them just, anything. Oh I'm gonna start pitching Kindle singles. What about that merch? We've been trying to get. To yeah, oh, just have a merch section. Exclusive yeah. provider. You know, you know what? This is all well and good. This is all fun and game. Yeah, but we do have to talk about the film Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, I just thought you know, first episode back. <laughs> no, I, I want to acknowledge list. that I'm done with the tick. We got list. it. We got it through. Talking about the tick. I'm very Should proud I put of a it. Tick next to it. Yeah, please do. <laughs> uh, very proud of it. Uh, going up in August. I think you'll probably see some stuff coming out uh, sooner rather than later. Oh yeah. I'm in the process. A little bit of footage. I don't know. I uh, you want to hear the worst uh, task in the world? My current thing I need to get done by the end of this week is they sent me a file of like 500 photos and I have to go through oh, all like of them pick? and approve, yeah, or reject them. Oh my God. Um, but they're like from a photo shoot of like me and my wardrobe. So it was like every five seconds they were like, try this. What if it was one hand? What if you're looking oh, out to so the left, you have to, to just, the right? You, you actually have to serve as an editor. Like these are not yes. screened. Like, no, not at all. And some of the photos are clearly me being like, can you say that one more time? And I'm like, my eyes are closed and I'm like leaning forward to try to hear what they're saying. Uh, we're terrible. I hate it. I do ten at a time, then I have a panic attack. What's Peter Serafanowitz really like? Great, lovely, British. What about Jackie Earl Haley? Did you deal with him much? Uh, Gentleman Haley, you're talking about? Sure, Gentleman yeah. Jackie. Gentleman Jack. Uh, he's uh, I I don't saucy Jack. This isn't a spoiler. I don't have any scenes with him. Yeah. Uh, I think he you mentioned that to me. He interfaces with uh the younger version of myself. Ah, uh, the baby version. Yeah. He's in like a flashback, uh, an extended flashback, and then the sort of setup is as the season goes on, I would try to build towards the reunion, the second meeting of him, mm-hmm. where I am out for vengeance. Uh, great, great actor. Cool. Uh, super, super terrifying. Cool. Uh, very nice. I mean, he's just like, oh, hey, how's, how's it going? And then they go like, an action. He goes like, I will destroy you. Cool. And he like looks like a mummy. They got this makeup on him. I he saw the, like the the set photos. Yeah, if you want to see photos of something, they uh the they were filming outdoors in McCarran Park, and the pap- paparazzi came out, and it was all over uh, Daily News and stuff. You can find the photos online. Did you ask director Wally Pfister, mm-hmm. who directed the pilot of the Tick, but also the film Transcendent? Yes. If he had any stories about Johnny Depp's appearance in M Night Shyamalan, the buried secret of M Night Shyamalan. I did not. Damn it. Griffin, you had one thing to do. And for that, I say to our listeners, <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> I have failed you. You ever say, hey, Wally, what's Johnny Depp like? And he's like, oh, you know, Johnny Depp's a nice guy. I'm like, so here's my question, Wally. Yeah. Why was he in the buried secret of M. Night Shyamalan? Great question. Uh, All right. Wally did show me a picture of him playing guitar with uh, Johnny Depp and Paul McCartney. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then Do I you was think like, that picture is starred in his photo album, so oh, it we definitely can access was. it easily? Because it was from a couple of years ago, and he pulled it up real fast. <laughs> uh, I showed him the picture, and I said, Wally, that's very cool. Can we 
shoot the can scene? we shoot? <laughs> can we shoot the scene now? Um, we, well, I'm tired. Did and I'm Paul McCartney suit. write a song, an original song for Transcendence that was rejected by Wally Pfister yeah, of for inclusion in the film? Yeah, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. called We Are All Computers. Yeah, that was no. the title. Yeah, uh, Cuckoo. Called I'm married to a computer zombie. <laughs> yeah, what a weird movie. Yeah, uh, uh, get your phone away yes, from that. I know speaker. the fucking thing. Um, okay, talked about the tick. Uh, wore out everyone's tick. patience for that. Tick, tick, checked off. Uh, oh, here's a little bit of housekeeping that connects to that. Uh, from the corrections department, got an email or a tweet rather correcting our an email tweet. Uh, pronunciation of uh the name of the third director of Cloud Atlas, which Tom, we said was Tom Tviker. Tviker, Tviker. Guess what it is? What? Tom Tickver. Tickver. Yeah. Well, you know. Tick, 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 tick. Oh, I see what you're saying. That was here. the correction. That's he was like, correction. I think it was Pat Reynolds, maybe uh, tweeted him, was like, you of all people should should know this. Uh, cool. Great. Done talking about that. Any other housekeeping? Uh, housekeeping. Uh, we we got a book report. We're gonna read that at the end of the that's, episode. That's later, we'll do a Berg report. We'll do a Berger report. Uh, here's here's one more thing I want to do at the at the top of the show before we get into the movie. That's kind of what I was asking. Yes. Jesus uh, Christ. We have uh, this film, Jupiter Ascending, the last theatrical, the most recently released theatrical motion picture from the Wachowskis. We have Sense8. David's making his pouty face again. This time it actually looked pouty. He nailed it this time. Uh, then we have Sense8, their Netflix series. Yeah, and then we're going to do a, a, a bonus episode on the Animatrix and sort of the Matrix appendix sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, then we're done. Yeah. yeah. Book closed. Wachowskis, put them on the shelf for now. Sad face. Yeah. I feel like with the directors we've covered, when we they have a new film come out, we'll do a one-off. Like we have to, to keep up. I'm with waiting. Them. Yeah, we're I just think waiting. Make another movie in a while. I, mean. I hope so. But but Shyamalan's in production. I mean, I think. Yeah, when, no, no. What's that sure. film called? Switch. Split. Split. Yeah. I when think? Split comes out, we'll yeah. do we'll do a a one-off, a palate cleanser. A, Switch a is a great character in the film The Matrix. Oh, God, Switch. Not though. like this. No, not, not like, like this. this. Uh, Switch though. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, what? Epoch. What, what does that mean? <laughs> Tank. Dozer. Cypher. I miss, I miss them. I miss them all. They're good friends. I already miss them. That's why we're doing the Animatrix episode, because I want an excuse to go back into that world. Switch prequel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Matrix origin, Switch. <laughs> uh, switch, though. Um, okay, so so this Maceer is almost done. Put it on the shelf. Time for a new Maceer. And just to clarify, because we did a bad job setting up the show... This show is based on a mini-series oh, where we go through directors. <laughs> I hope you're what? not listening first to the Jupiter Ascending Oeuvres episode. And then try to look at what, um, post-blank check what movies they make after they've had massive success early on. Uh, we're, we need, it's time for a new mini We need a new subject. And, like, you know, honestly, when we were doing our George Lucas stuff, mm-hmm. we already had Shyamalan and Wachowskis in the chamber. We had that yep. plan for a long time. Ever since then, we've basically just batted a lot of names around. And we've never been able to settle on one. So we have we have Let's four finalists. See. We have four finalists? Okay. okay. Right? Yeah. We have four finalists. I mean, we have a couple no, more, we but we're going to save them for the next- We have four finalists. Yeah. yeah. There's four... others in the hopper. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're those... still in the barrel. You know, we're like a, a whiskey distillery. Yes. And they're still, like, aging. They're aging. You know? And here's another thing with those ones, not to give any spoilers, but they're, they, they have qualifiers. Yeah, it's more like we're trying to squeeze them into this weird premise we have of, like- directors whom right. Hollywood writes blank check And it's to. like directors in a certain period. We wouldn't cover yeah. the entire filmography. Oh, I see what you're saying. Two of them, I think, fall into that, who are not going to be part of this poll. Well, all right. Well, give me the four names. The four names for this poll are... <clears throat> yeah. Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. Now, I think 
he would be fun. We we can sort of advocate, yes. and or, you know, for any of these guys, but he'd be fun because he's a little different. Not a genre, genre director. wise, exactly. Yeah, um, more of a uh, sort of comedy, sort of like contemporary comedy romance type guy. Yeah. Uh, um, we love ending these miniseries on sort of a sense of redemption and hope of what comes next. He has his series Roadies premiering over the summer. So we would sort of dovetail in with that nicely. I, 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 yeah, I mean, this sure. This idea of maybe, good. maybe, well, I yeah. mean, who knows? But I like the idea I mean, of a possibility. But you know? I think Cameron Crowe's just also, like his blank check movie, I don't know if you want to say it, say anything, or Jerry Maguire. I don't know which one it actually is. He kind of had a couple. But yeah. he became a guy who could do anything he wanted, and yeah. he uh, bought a zoo. He bought it too. And then he cast Emma Stone as an Asian woman. He's done a lot of things. Yeah, I think it'd be a great one to talk about. A lot of stuff in there. Good yeah. movies and bad movies. Yeah, and it's a perfect number of films too. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice yeah. size. All okay. right. So Cameron Crowe. Crow. Uh what see if you can uh make sense of the chain I'm I'm doing here on these films, okay? Cameron Crowe. Next name, James Cameron. Same there's a similar name in there. Yes, they they share a common name. Yeah. Jimmy Cameron. So I feel like James Cameron's an obvious blank check guy because mm-hmm. he almost never makes movies. Whenever he does, they are multi-billion dollar spectaculars. Yeah. He's just a blank check guy who's every, he's never bounced a check. He's never bounced a That's check. That's the difference with him. Yeah. He keeps going crazier and it keeps working out for him. Yes. And by the way, I was discussing this with friend of the show, Katie Rich. If we do him, we have to do a Ghosts from the Abyss episode. Oh, no question. No Ghosts question. Are, Ghosts of the Abyss, and what's the other one called? Secrets of the Deep? I don't know if we have to do that one. They're both, I looked it up, they're both like 45 minutes long. Great. Well, so we'll we do, do them it. as one episode. Well, we have to rent out an empty IMAX theater to yes. watch them in. Correct. Okay. I agree with you. Great. Yes. Yeah. But uh, Jimmy Cameron, also perfect number of films. Yeah, so, so we're going to need several, several thousand the- dollars from our fans <laughs> to rent the IMAX theater. Just FYI. We'll start a Patron. So a lot of people wanted us to do James Cameron because they want us to, to want to be on the James Cameron episode. Yeah. But uh, like when we talk to our friends about this, everyone wants to be on the Titanic. They, they, episode. They, every, yeah. yeah, Titanic's very hot, you know. But I think you know he'd be obvious. He'd be so much fun. And plus, we'd have to watch Piranha Two: The Spawning. Yeah. Now, there's no question we do them at some point. The question is now. We've yeah. always sort of had some sense of maybe wait a little bit. But if the yeah. listeners want it now, we'll Guys, do it now. Don't worry. Like if we don't do it now, we'll do it later. All four of these people we're going to do at some point. We're asking you to Who's pick which three? one we do next. Number three is keeping the chain going. Catherine Bigelow. Okay. Okay. His ex-wife. Ex-wife of James Cameron. Yeah, she's the toughest because she has not gotten a blank check from Hollywood I, in a long time. She has. I think she's gotten two. Yeah, Strange Days and K-19. Those are your two. No, I think Zero Dark Thirty is a blank check movie. Yeah, I guess so. How much did it cost? It doesn't matter. It we'll get lot. into that. Cost a lot, made a lot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fascinating career. Fascinating career, but as someone who's had to scrape and fight for her films- at times. And I think that's sort of what that series would be about. K-19 is, is a blank check movie. It's a Russian submarine movie. It costs like $120 million. But I think that was her for hire. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That wasn't her passion project. That's what I'm saying. It caught, They gave her a we big We would check. have to watch K-19, The Widowmaker. But, yeah. I mean, this is the other thing. I'm fascinated by it. I've only seen like half of her movies, so it'd be interesting sure. to explore half of them. I haven't seen, what's the one with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh, Blue Steel, I think it's called, or Blue yeah, S- something like that. Right. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen K-19. I haven't seen The Way to Water. I embarrassingly I have, have never seen, seen uh, Near Dark. Oh, Near Dark's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, she'd be fun. She'd be fun. She'd be different. Yes. And we'd look at sort of the difference of, of like, you know, uh, a woman, you know, fighting, you know, what? for these sort of chances. Wait, she's a woman? She's a lady. Oh, she's off the list. She won an Oscar. No, but, you know, the, the Hollywood isn't so quick to give out All these guys have Oscars, checks. by the way. Cameron Crowe, James Cameron, Catherine Bigelow. They've all, all, all Oscar winners. Interesting. They're Oscar winners. We've never covered an Oscar winner. 
George no. Lucas doesn't have an Oscar unless you count that dirty Thalberg Award. <laughs> M. Night, M. Night hasn't got an Oscar. Got the nom. Wachowskis have no Oscars. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if you want an Oscar winner, pick one of those three. Because the next one has not even been nominated in a tragic in a tragic shame. And that's, if you want that, if you want someone now, who's is, still Griffin fucking... threw this out at me and it I was, was like, wait a second. Yeah. Because it's a weird idea. I came up with it last weekend because yeah. the other ones we've had stewing in the hopper for a while, right? Yeah. No, shoot it, shoot it. Shane Black. Shane Black. But it would be as director and writer. Yeah, because he's only directed three movies. And he's only written five or Additional six, movies, depending like on yeah how you keep count beyond that. Uh, yeah, famous action screenwriter of the 80s and 90s. Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, Long Kiss Goodnight, Last Action Hero, which, uh, talk about a blank check movie. The highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood for a long time, then fucking checks out, disappears. Blank, kind blank of a checks out. He blank checks out. He does the opposite of what Dunstan did. He takes oh, a no. cue from Bizarro oh, no. Dunstan. No, yes, no, David. I refuse. Yes. I refuse. One million I... comedy points. <laughs> oh, everyone is turned off. Yeah, everyone except for the diehard listeners. Are this not episode's listening. for diehards, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, clearly, because uh, should have made the Sense8 episode for diehards because it doesn't matter. Uh, Sense8's what's so going to win like us Benny, the Webby. Benny yeah. directs Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man, but after Three, like the nice seven years of, of being now, in the wilderness, yeah. Have you seen it? I have. How is it? You haven't seen it yet? No. I I was disappointed, but I also ready to give it a second chance. Yeah. I liked it. I just had heard so many rapturous things from other people. We'll see. We'll see. Felt like I didn't get it, but his screenplays are dense. Sometimes they take a couple Kiss, times. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is one of my favorite movies ever made, and Iron Man three I think is the best Marvel movie outside of uh, the event. I uh, look at the two as being I, they switch places for me, but it's like Iron Man three and the Avengers. Films. Yes, depending on the day, I rank them as one or two. But those are the two Marvel movies I. I think the Avengers love. is you got to take that number one because it's kind of the platonic ideal of the movies Marvel wants to make. I yes. think Iron Man three is sort of a weird special thing. Yeah, can yeah. I say this? I think uh, Iron Man I three think... also lacks a great villain. It has a fine villain. I like fine. it a lot. He's fine. I think the Avengers is the best Marvel movie. I think Iron Man 3 is the best movie that Marvel has made. And it's one of the best Christmas movies ever made. Yeah, it's a great and It film. takes place all on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's the big argument for Shane Black is we really want to fucking talk about Iron Man 3. But there are a lot no, of goodies no, I want to talk about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, that's... but we've talked about doing an Iron Man 3 one-off for a no, while, I know. too. All right, all right. Yeah. So we'll anyway, talk about all those films. So, those the, no, so you don't like my Colin Farrell idea, huh? I just think it's, with actors, it's tough because it's like 40 fucking I films. I know, I know. But I just. And I don't want to just idea. be like, we he's, only do the good ones. He's the ultimate blank check actor. Yeah. One day, one day, I'm going to convince you. I don't want to do the, we only do the good ones thing. And the other people who are off this poll, who are sort of the qualified miniseries, are the ones where it's like covering this person from this specific time period. Yeah. Or only we'll their films in day. America or things like that. Those are the two. Right. I get it. You know, but it's like about. if you lock it into like parentheses, I think it works. If you just go like, ah, Colin Farrell, but we're only going to do some of them. Because, like, we don't want to do an episode in the Total Recall remake. Yeah, we do. That I've been said, saw The Lobster this weekend. Good movie, though. My favorite movie of the year. Fucking loved it. It's that and Wiener for me. I, I saw both Wiener's on the same too. day. I just saw Wiener again for the second time yesterday. Wiener's great. I'm going to see both a uh, second time. They're both jockeying for number one for me. They're both, uh, I think, great, great films. Uh, that yeah. Yorgos Lathamos guy, good director. I'm a huge fan of his. You guys good should check out Dogtooth and Alps, which are his other films. Anyway, so. Those are the four. Uh, we'll put a poll up. You guys can vote, but also just tweet at us all the time, every time at blank check pod. My brain's not working. Yeah, Let's me go. Neither. Okay, great. Jupiter ascending. Let's oh, go. Okay, so here's what's nice about doing this movie. When we started this podcast, 
when it was previously uh, Griffin and David present. Yeah. Uh, our very first episode. Here's my tweet. Oh, well, David's now interrupting my. I was trying to get to the movie. <laughs> yeah, it at hand. finally loaded. It finally loaded. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that up because this ties into this episode, so I'll make that later. When we were doing our Star Wars podcast. Yeah. When we were doing our. That was terrible for our listeners. David just interrupted to show me a tweet that he was proud of that I, was a I, joke I, relating to something we talked this, about before yeah, we recorded. Yeah, exactly. A tweet I've been trying to load for an hour. <laughs> yeah, the Wi-Fi is really bad here. No. When we were doing our... In our very first episode, when we were sort of explaining why we were doing this, this silly concept, which was talking about the Phantom Menace as if the other Star Wars movies didn't exist, we said, like, you know, we want to remove the context that everyone's viewing this film and judging it against the others and look at it as what it's pretending to be, which is just just the first movie in a new franchise right. without try, the baggage tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And we said, like, it's like if it was just Jupiter Ascendant. Right. We, we talk about it in our one of the, in more than one of our early episodes. Yeah, right? but in the first one, I was at the very early sort of reference point we threw out. It's like, we want to try to view the Phantom Mass like it's Jupiter Ascending. And we think, and we both, very early on, we're like, by the way, we just saw Jupiter Ascending. We Fun love movie. It. We love it. Liked it. Why is everyone else shitting on it? It's now been over a year. We've been doing this podcast, right? Yeah, Jupe Ascend came out uh, February 6th, 2015. Yeah, and I think we started like the week after that. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, because we were recording. Right, anyway, right, right. Anyway, anyway. Oh, my God. One could say we've been building up to talking about this film at length since the very beginning of the show, A Past I mean, Incarnation. I mean, of course, that's exactly what this is. Our lives are not our own. Yeah. We're cycling over and over again. You know, rebirth. It's like yeah, Cloud Atlas. Like, mm-hmm. And now we're a new life, and we get to talk about Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, we're all food for... Uh, Galactic royalty. Now, who gets to talk about Jupiter Ascending? Myself, Griffin Newman. Uh-huh. Yourself, David Sims. Yeah. But also, there's there's a third amigo. Who recently told me this just an hour ago that he thought this movie was silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. You know? So, I'm going to do his names. His name is Ben Hosley, and he's the producer of the podcast. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, agreed. You also might know him as producer Ben. <laughs> yeah. They were Ben, the Ben Deucer, the Poet Laureate, the Haas, our yeah. finest film critic, the <laughs> Fuckmaster, the Tiebreaker, Birthday Benny, Mr. Positive. Uh, I said the Poet Laureate. Um, he's not Professor Crispy. The peeper. He is the Peeper. You always forget about that one. I know. It's because he's he's not in the room with us. He's, he's not, not peeping, peeping right anymore. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they have to install a window so we can see him peeping at us. Yeah. Um, he also, you know, has graduated uh, through many series to titles such as uh, producer Ben Kenobi, uh, Kylo Ben, and Ben Night Shyamalan. What's his Wachowski title going to be? I don't know. We Tweet at us if you it. have ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are your two jobs as listeners. We'll have a poll <laughs> up by the time this episode lands with the four candidates for the next season. I want you to vote, and I want you to tweet at us a name that Ben can attach to his, his vest. You know? Anyway, Ben's here. Ben is here. Yes. Excited to talk about this film. Uh, you were trying to do this vest thing, and I was just like, let's, let's you just move, move it along. <laughs> I was trying to do like he was a TGI Friday's waiter, and he had a vest with a lot of flair on it. Yeah. Oh, sure. Ben has sure. shaved his head pretty much since we last saw him. Yeah. That's true. He's a new man. He's a newly shorn Ben. I'm also uh, <laughs> alive still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my Yeah, God. that's good. That that's was a good. cliffhanger because that episode Oof. was recorded so many weeks ago. Some of our listeners might have thought that you were uh, Not dead. Not going to make it. Yeah, no, dead I'm by still now. here. Um, yeah. Are you but, feeling okay? Yes. No, I'm a lot better. But listening back to those episodes, like I sounded like, I think David pointed out, I sounded like Darth Vader just like wheezing in the background. Yes, you did, and we love you all the more for it. Uh, the, film, the film today is Jupiter Ascending. 
It's a film that I would also describe as silly, but I would use that as a very affectionate term. Me too. I mean, I, I feel very affectionately towards this movie. Yeah. I will say it might be my least favorite Wachowski movie. Oh, not mine. But you probably are you're getting the Matrix prequels in there. Oh, sequels. Right? Yeah, I guess it's... We well, got to rank. We're going to rank we'll rank them at the end of the episode. The the episode yeah. but, but I mean, but I like all the Wachowskis movies, and I yeah. like this movie a lot. I love this movie. Rewatching it clarified some of its flaws for me, but also clarified the things I love about it. See, I'll say the opposite thing. I was like, you watched it, you know, review, critic shit on this movie really hard, right? When it came out, they did. But they made, even when it, even when that was happening, there was already a little a couple, a couple movement defenders. building of like, yeah. hey guys, like, Jesus, they tried to make a fucking original movie. Like, yeah. You know. I also assumed there'd be more of a second wind sort of groundswell by now, but it's it's kind of quiet. Yeah. Uh, people have sort of happen. just forgotten about it. Yeah. I mean, it has its fervent fans, but yes. I don't know if it's, this is ever going to be like the genuine kind of cult movie where like I have to read fucking articles every six months of like Jupiter Ascending sequel possible? Yeah. Or even like a Speed Racer thing where you're constantly making articles to like argue why it wasn't, it was misunderstood at the time, you know? Which I think it was. I think it deserves those types of uh, articles at some point in the future. Me too. Um, but uh, they, they made a horrible mistake with this film, which was they premiered it at Sundance. Yeah, in a secret screening. Right. I remember that. So and they were the, like, there's all a the big Sundance studio movie. crowd having just been watching movies like The Witch and yeah. like Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And then they come out and they're like, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Like, that was the large, like, it wasn't like a lot of nuance. Right. And so immediately there are a bunch of tweets from everyone making fun of this movie. And which you, People were hyped for this movie. Kind no, of. No, they were. They were. Critics people, were. Yeah, I don't mean the public. Right, Obviously, yeah. Crit- they were hyped for were. this movie. The public was not. Critics yeah. were like, you know, all in on Channing Tatum. He yes. was like really, you know, and he's obviously they're still all in on. But him, at that but he moment, was really he hot. was on a real role. Yeah, uh, you know, they a dinner were role. All if you will. in mm, or uh, comedy mm. or <laughs> comedy. <laughs> they were all in on uh, franchise fatigue. Yes, sequel fatigue. Give us something and new. It's like, hey, here's it's a, a whole like movie has nothing to do with anything. Based the only, off nothing. The only thing it's based off is that there's a planet called Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> in the sky. Yeah. And you know, I think people like Mila Kunis. There is that think, weird credit at the end of the film where it says, uh, based, "Based on, on the Jupiter. planet Jupiter by God." <laughs> David doesn't like it. Nope. Uh, Mila Kunis. People liked her. People I don't know. If, her. You know, I, yeah. there was certainly no hostility towards Mila. No, I think after Black Swan, people were really excited. And in between Black Swan and this film, she had done a couple sort of like uh, the the Oz picture. Yeah, made a lot of money. But she's already, really horrible in it. Though. Yes, oh. yes, and boy, I would oh argue boy. it's. I like Mila, but not mm. her fault necessarily. I mean, I don't know. But it's not a good performance. Uh, but also, I think you know, even though Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas had not hit. Yes. There was a lot of love for those movies sort of floating around in the ether, and people were kind of ready for like, hey, let's let's. The Wachowskis are going to be back. It's going to be fun. And this on its face seemed like a more conventional, accessible film. It is a more conventional, it accessible is. film. Right. That doesn't mean it's conventional and accessible. No, I don't think they're it's capable. Also yeah. the, it's PG-13. It's like only apart from, it's the only PG-13 movie they've ever made because Speed Racer's PG. Right. And it's, I, think, I think that's a huge problem, to be honest. But anyway. That the film's PG-13? Yeah. I don't uh, think they work well on that. Now, could I say world. Uh, I've never seen this film before? Uh-huh. So going into it, I had read something, some like brief synopsis, and they're referring to it as a space opera. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a space opera. Uh, okay, so maybe I'm just unfamiliar. I was assuming that there was going to be a whole bunch of singing. 
That's what I thought was going to happen with this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, the podcast is over. It's over. We will never record again. We're not going to do better than that. He's our um, finest film critic. He's our finest film critic, Ben Hosley. Uh, you're welcome. The best thing is, you know that's true. I know that's one hundred percent. That's not a joke. Griffin oh. is red with, with with laughter. I'm red like Ben. Here's so a- I was actually disappointed because I was like kind of excited for that. You just wanted them to like burst into song. Totally. Here, Look, here's the that thing- would have been good. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been really cool. Here's the thing the listeners need to understand about Ben, right? Because they only get to experience yeah, because, like, him me, in this context. Me and Griffin came up with the idea for this podcast. Ben is along for the ride. <laughs> right. Ben is like, it's like if we were in some kind of space adventure, he's like the guy who was sort of on board fixing something and then we had to like blast into deep space and now he just is sort of like with us. But yeah, sometimes he, we say shit and he is so confused by us. Ben, ben is like C-3PO, you know? Like Ben <laughs> wasn't of. like meant for this. Or like Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest maybe. Mm. Um. No, but here's the thing you have to understand about Ben, okay? Because some people might be like, is Ben real? Is he like a character? How much of this is a bit? Right. No, it's it's real. Here's the thing. Ben, Ben's a comedian. Ben knows that he's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But also, Ben has never said anything on the show that isn't 100% no, genuine. Real. He's real. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're excited that you're going to get a laugh off of your real opinions, but they are your real opinions. Pretty much, yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, okay. Okay, so it. this film has no songs in it. Sadly. Sadly. No, space um, opera, you know, just grand melodramatic yeah. space adventures from this, I don't know, the 50s, like, I feel like is yeah. when it sort of came around. I would argue. Probably even earlier. Perhaps even earlier. Yeah. But, uh, like I the s- Flash Gordon type movies, or the, the serials of the 30s, that kind of stuff. I saw this film IMAX opening weekend. I um, saw it at a press screening. This is the first film where I had my job as a really? film critic. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. This is your first one. Yeah, I took my roommate Molly, and uh, we had a fucking great time. Yeah, and because I saw it at a critic screening, there it's always a different crowd. It's yes. a different vibe, and so lines like "I've always loved dogs" get like a huge laugh, and yeah. it's not like a genuine laugh; it's a knowing laugh, not like a completely sarcastic laugh. Yeah, but definitely there was like a slight air of derision in the in the crowd. But I think that it, I remember it going genuine, generally fine. With like, the laughs like this? <laughs> no, no, no. There was a, the bees and the dog. They those got like big the, laughs. Like, <laughs> Not no. like when I saw Mother's Day. Yeah. And at one point, literally after a sincere line was delivered, one person just screamed, "Jesus Christ!" Which was a great moment, and then we all laughed. I've told you the best thing I ever heard someone yell out at a movie, right? What? Uh, uh, couples retreat. Okay. The the Vince Vaughn Fabio. I, mean, I know the film. Bateman phase on let's love not, picture. Let's not. Let's yeah. <laughs> it was a phase on love joint. Yeah. yeah. So the opening uh, setup of the film is talk that about a film that literally doesn't exist and made it's like like it made a hundred million dollars domestic. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, and, and another hundred at least overseas. Yeah. Uh, huge movie doesn't exist. I can uh, does I, not exist. I can vouch like for the fact all it doesn't those exist. Vince Vaughn movies, like Four Christmas, doesn't exist. Just like they came out, made a ton of money, no one would ever acknowledge yeah. that they saw them. You know what's a fun fact about uh, the dilemma? <laughs> didn't even make money that one. Didn't exist. Didn't exist. Wasn't made. Yeah. Delivery Man doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> Delivery Man doesn't exist. Shoot. So uh, what happened to Couples Retreat or uh, Perfect Couples? So the, the scene that sets up the movie mm. is Bateman and Kristen Bell are like, we we bought this package. You know, one of those normal sure. four couples packages where if one couple doesn't show up, the whole package. I get a pop-up ad for one of those every day. Yeah, it goes out the window and we don't offer refunds, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The setup for the film. 
and they're like, we can't do this. We're not, we're not doing this. And he goes like, look, I'm going to level with you guys. Our marriage is in a pretty rocky place. And this, this trip is sort of our last chance. Um, Cause if this doesn't work out, we're thinking of getting a divorce. And some guy in the back of the theater just goes, gay. <laughs> <laughs> my question right? <laughs> is it gay to get divorced yes is it or is he saying like the, he saying, the problem at the heart of their marriage is that jason bateman is, is that's the question and he's Did just this not guy dealing with that he had cracked the plot <laughs> like he had predicted is that what the movie's about no okay or does their marriage get saved yes what who are the other couples in that movie uh are vince Vaughn and melon ackerman uh correct and the other one is john favreau and uh kristen davis Oh yeah, yeah! What a natural couple those two. <laughs> the idea is John Favreau like in like beached whale level. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the idea in that He's movie, an overweight man. They hate each other in that film, and they keep on fucking other people, but they're fine with it. Oh yeah. And okay. at the end, yeah. the fact that they hate each other like yeah. turns them onto each other, and they have like they hate. And then Faze on Love and Callie Thorne is that her? Callie Hawk. Who yeah, Kelly is, Thorne is is like kind of like an Italian actress who's yes. on Rescue Me for you. Uh, no, Callie Hawk who. Uh, was it was on New Girl for a little while? She's like a comedic actress. Sure, sure. I, uh, that I, was her first movie. She yeah. she didn't blow up. I actually think she's very talented. Did Tarkovsky direct that one, or was it? <laughs> <laughs> you know who directed that one? Who? Peter Billingsley, of A Christmas Story. Oh. Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, also so co-starring uh, Peter Serafin. What? Mm. Uh, mm. My right. my big blue buddy, and uh, it's more Morrison, uh, Django Fett. Django Fett himself. So it all they play uh, ties in together. Uh, retreat. They play holiday specialists of some sort. Or another. yeah, I'd argue the best joke in the entire film is that uh, Serafinowicz introduces himself as Stanley, spelt with a C. Mm. And you spend the entire movie trying to figure out where, where the C is. Yeah. And at one point, they see it written down, and it's S C T A N L E Y. Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending is a, uh, a movie I have a big crush on. Yeah, me too. That's my feeling. Especially like the opening, yeah. which is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous opening. Just yeah. the shot of Jupiter. Yeah. Fucking take it up the whole screen. I'm going to yeah. do the whole review in this. I saw this movie in IMAX. Like it looked so beautiful. In 2D or 3D? It's so pretty. 3D, yeah. which I, I was happy to watch it in 2D now. Oh, yeah. Since I'm going to say, the, the Sundance reviews were terrible, yeah. right? Like the just the immediate tweets. And, it, and like the movie came out like a week and a half later. It was like pretty yeah. rapid. Yeah. And and the official reviews that came out in between the Sundance reviews and like the release of the film were even worse. Yeah. At that point the narrative it was, was a out. pylon. It was, it was a, a pylon. pylon. It, it was, was like, what the yeah. fuck are they even trying to do? It wasn't a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica. It was a pylon. No. Yeah. Uh gr- great. Four comedy points. Thank I don't you. know. Yeah. <laughs> um That's all I wanted. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um so I went into it bracing myself because I wanted to like it. I really did, right? Uh, yeah, me too. Me I too. I first off I, wa- I was actually I remember I was really stubborn. Like the reviews came out and I was like, fuck them. Like because I really had liked Speed Racer yeah. and I like like I was already in my fervent defense of the Matrix sequels mode. Yeah. So I was like, no, no, yeah, it'll be great. I'm not listening to you dummies. Yeah. But I also secretly was like, oh, fuck, this really doesn't sound encouraging. I also wanted it to make a ton of money. Me and too. And already kind of could tell it wasn't going to, so yeah. I was a little sad about the that. The diving cast, because it was supposed to come out the summer earlier. They pushed it back to yeah, February. they pushed it back for VFX work, which I think is accurate. I'm pretty sure that's why they did but it. But I also think when the when the movie was two months out from being released it's as true. like a July thing. So that was the other there thing. There was no excitement. I forgot about that. It really fucked the movie because it had been advertised. 
guys they for a while. They had big posters up, trailers, TV at, like, and then it just never came out. Yeah, and then finally, of course, it gets dumped like two weeks before the Oscar. I mean, a month before the Oscars. Yeah, not even really like a few weeks before the. I Oscars. think it came out the week before because I remember Redmayne won the week after. Right, people were worried uh, this would be his Norbit, but it was yeah. too late. Redmayne was like, "Fuck you." Whereas I view it as the opposite. I saw the movie and I went, "Fine, you can give him the Oscar." After seeing this performance, I was like, fine, the guy's, the guy's earned it. Yeah, he didn't earn it. I think he did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like him in this movie. I just don't like him that much in the- Stephen Oh, Hawking agreed. Movie. I think he's good he's okay. uh, in the early sections. Yeah, he's all right. As a student. Yeah. Um, Douglas Booth could have done it. Agreed. Uh, another cast member from Jupiter Ascending. That was my joke. So yeah, I said, right, yeah, I know. I was just putting a point on it. Uh, I, I said earlier, I love this movie. But, like, when I say, like, I love it, it's great, it makes it sound like it's, like, perfect or that it's transcendent or that it's a miraculous piece of art, which it isn't. That it's ascendant? But it is, that it ascends. Mm -hmm. But I do, like, I watch this movie and I, like, have a crush on it. Like, I want to kiss this movie. I, I like, I kind of want to fuck this movie. You know, I don't know if I want to marry it. But I, like, I'm watching it and I'm just, like. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. I think this movie is lovely. Like, I think this movie is so charming. And so pretty. Yes, I agree with everything you're saying. I think I just want it to be better than it is. But I think it's good. Well, I went into it the second viewing, and I was like, okay, your guard's been down. You already liked it more than everyone else did. You're not trying to prove a point anymore. Now we're in the context of all their films. You're going to judge it a little more harshly, like pick it apart. Like I was ready to like it significantly less. Yeah. And I uh, didn't. Yeah, I like, well, that's good. I, I finished watching the film, and I was like, would watch again. Like I almost just want to restart it just because I like living in the world of this movie. Well, that's the thing. I like the world of the movie. I like I mostly like the look of the movie. Yeah, I love the cast of the movie, and I love the idea of like intergalactic, uh, aristocratic politics. Like yeah. being part of a big action movie. And I'll say that stuff worked better for me on the second viewing. Than Here's the first what one. doesn't work in this movie. Okay, the action. Disagree. Mm, yeah, the action is the big problem in this movie. Number two, and it really it like hurts me to say it. It, like, makes my skin feel like it's on fire. But, like, Channing Tatum. Soft disagree. I mean, like, and I don't think he's terrible or anything, but I think he's not meeting this material where he needs to meet it. I and think I think the same is true of Mila Kunis, but I also think the script underserves her a little bit. Yeah, I think neither of them are great. I think both of them work. Yeah, but I understand fine. why people don't like those yeah. performances. Yeah. Um, let, let us... Uh, let's, let, let's, let's take uh, take this away. Go through the plot. But I'll say this, talking about wanting to live in the world of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, Avatar, which both of us like, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Were we to do Cameron as our next miniseries, mm, should the people vote so? Big Jim. Uh, if we, if we big go down Jim. Big, big Dick Jim's road, mm-hmm. um, we're both ready to defend Avatar, which now, you know, has, has people have, have turned has their backs on. Has its own reputation, yeah. Right. But there was the this sort of story that was getting circulated after the film that like all these people were depressed, these like sad lonely people because they saw Avatar and they wanted to live in Pandora so much that they got depressed living in the real world. They started these online communities and that was part of the thing that boosted the box office was people yes, would see it like ten times. I once was directed to a Reddit thread of people explaining how you could enter a lucid dreaming state so that you could then control your dreams and enter Pandora. Right. Yeah. Shit like that was happening. <laughs> 
This is true. Now, maybe that person was just making it up. I don't know. It was a funny internet thing. But I don't know. <laughs> but there was shit like that happening. My point is- People began to be sad that the world of Avatar was fictional. That they didn't live in Pandora. There was a small community of people who were just sad about that. And that was like the big gamut when Disney announced their Avatar theme park was they were like, people are, will, will pay to live in that thing for a fucking four hours at a time, you know? Yeah. Uh, which still hasn't opened. Yeah. Uh, much like the sequels still have not been made. Um. But I watching that film, I like Avatar a lot. I'll defend it to the end of the day. Uh, I, I don't have that impulse at all. I watch it and I'm just like, okay. Like, I don't want to live in that world. I don't think it's particularly beautiful. No, I, I think it's fine. I, it seems like a fairly dangerous world. There's a lot of, like, rhinos in it and stuff. Yeah, so, like, I, I'm cool just watching it. I do want to live in Jupiter Ascending. Like, I watch this movie and I want to live in, like, these, these... That's not how I feel. I just, I just like the idea of creating... Look. Let's go through the plot. Yeah, we go. Yeah. But just to say, like we, we we always talk about how the Wachowskis do something that's like really unfashionable or kind of mm-hmm. ahead of its time. And I think the thing they did here that was unfashionable was creating a world whole cloth, like a really complicated world that they have to explain to you. Yeah, a lot. There's a lot of explanation in the movie. Yeah, and like original sci-fi worlds were just not the thing at the time. This feels like a movie right out of the 80s. It's also, correct, it's also... Down to its villains. When you get into the space opera thing, Mm -hmm. I think that's even a bit of a misnomer, not just because of how it confused Ben, but because I think this really is like a children's fantasy story in in sci-fi clothing. Yeah. You know, I read uh, the the nexus, the sort of like kernel that this film started from, was they were reading a lot of fantasy. They were reading Wizard of Oz. They were reading Alice in Wonderland. They were reading all of those. And they went, these types of protagonists we find very interesting. These young women were thrown into these crazy worlds and they keep this head on their shoulder. Yeah. You know, and they're sort of succeeding and making their way through the land through judgment and morality. Yeah, but that's where I'd say the film falls down. But yes. I'd agree. But you also look at those films and Alice and um, Dorothy are both pretty passive characters. Things happen to them. And it's about how they react to them, but it's not that much about them taking decisive action, right? It's about who they remain in these worlds. That's fair, sure. Like, she has a moral compass that essentially, like, holds true. Yeah. Although, a couple times, she almost fucking signs away the rights of all humans. But she doesn't. I think that's what defines her as a character. Yeah, but she doesn't because Channing Tatum fucking crashes through a window on his roller skates. What? But the second time, she fucking makes a choice herself. Kind of. I, I'd say she does. I was watching out for this really working, like, yeah. on that, and she doesn't quite, he interrupts again. But she makes more of a decision herself, but also by that time, and we'll compl- I'll complain about this, the whole thing is so fucking confusing. Why doesn't every Redman just kill her? I don't get it. I don't get it. He wants to kill her at the beginning of the movie. Why doesn't he kill her at the end? Doesn't she say that he can't, though? She says that he can't, but the movie doesn't do enough work explaining why that has changed. This is where I start to get annoyed at the movie, but whatever. I guess. Anyway, I mean, the idea was they want to try to make Alice in Wonderland as a sci-fi film. They what, want to put uh, that sort of protagonist into a sci-fi trapping, and I think that confused I, people. Let's go to the beginning. I the think plot. Wizard of Oz is the better choice because, as they say, she's Dorothy. And he's Toto. And he's Toto, which I think is such a funny idea. Amazing. Anyway. So the movie is about uh, the, a girl. Named Jupiter Jones. Jupiter Jones, who is a Russian immigrant. Mm-hmm. Her father, played by James Darcy. Our old buddy from Cloud Atlas. From Cloudy Atlas. Cloudy <laughs> Atlas uh, was an astronomer and a seemingly nice boy. He had a beautiful golden, golden telescope. A telescope of gold. Who, who wooed a, a, a nice lady, a nice Russian lady, played by Maria Doyle Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
as with his, you know, sort of winsome charm and interest in the space, I that, guess. That, that Darcy Twinkle, you know? And then he gets killed in a very tragic and somewhat abrupt opening scene where some Russian gangsters, I guess, are trying to, like, steal his clocks. I don't know, like, his steal his telescope. Random break-in, a uh, bunch of mass thugs. Uh, yeah, his telescope's made of pure gold. So They want to steal it. He, he, I don't think it's made of pure gold. Good Lord. I think every inner working, <laughs> every, every rivet... Is gold. Anyway, so then even the, the instructions then were the printed mom, on pure gold. The mom is sad, flew, flees to America, gives birth to Jupiter on like a barge. Yeah, and they now live in Chicago, mm-hmm. and she they clean toilets. They have a toilet business. I mean, <laughs> they have a toilet yeah. cleaning business. And sort of like a family flop house. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. live in a family flop house. They're not. They're not She's cleaning got toilets. A bunch of. Like cousins and siblings and shit, including Sparky from Speed Racer. Our friend, Kit Gurry. And I forget who else is in there. Uh, in the family, I didn't recognize any of the other ones. Of, you know, there's like, apparently Aunt Nino is played by someone called Frog Stone. Well, but of course. <laughs> uh, she's and, got a large family. They all yeah. live in one house. They're all sort of cartoonish. They're all kind of, and like, the uh, Kit Curry, what's his name? Um, Vladdy. Yeah. Is trying to get her to sell her eggs so he yeah. can buy a TV. Like it's really sad. The the men all seem like sort of backwards hustlers, right? Yeah. The men are all sort of gruff. Not they the don't greatest, trust uh, women. Yeah. I mean, I assume the Wachowskis are maybe Polish or Russian. I, I mean, Eastern I European with a name like that. I believe you know? they're Polish. So I assume like maybe they have a little bit of their own, maybe a little bit of their own uh, family or at least stories of the family in this. Very cartoonish presentation of like an immigrant family. Maybe, uh, maybe they're just trying to stick it to the Ruskies. I don't know, but you anyway, know? it's a little. What if the Wachowskis are still like Cold War truthers? They're like, I don't know. We shouldn't let our guard down. Great. They could. They might. Um. But you know, interestingly enough, it is Mila Kunis. I believe is from the Soviet Union. She is a Russian. I believe she's Ukrainian. Yes. Uh, yeah, maybe she's right. She, yeah. but, you know, she, she, and uh, she is of Eastern European extraction mm-hmm. and uh, uh, speaks fluent Russian. And so it's kind of fun that I think she's also Jewish, but just yeah, she is. But she's, it's she's just a nice mix of stuff. Fun to give her this this uh, this role, like it's actually appropriate to her background. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, all of this is done in voiceover narration, which is pretty quickly dropped after that. Um, Where she's like. You wouldn't expect me to be cleaning a toilet, or I can't even remember. Like, look at me cleaning a toilet. There I am. Jupiter Jones. But this is the thing I like about this movie. I have no problem right, with this. Right, And I can't argue that this film is perfect, but, like, the the vibe of this movie wins me over so thoroughly that I'm willing to overlook its flaws because I have such a good time watching it. This movie feels like an adaptation of a book that never existed. You know? There's this energy to it, even to the narration where it feels like it doesn't feel as much like a, you know, people always talk about how narration sort of like voiceover is like a sloppy screenwriting device if you can't get the thing out visually or through dialogue, then, you know, you're not doing your job. Whatever. Fuck that. Whatever. Who cares? Sometimes it's a stylistic choice. Sometimes you're trying to get a vibe out there. Well, sometimes, you yeah, it's a very like, ooh, story time. Yeah. And that feels to me like the voiceover narration at the beginning feels like the first chapter of a book and setting up this sort of like Cinderella complex of like she's the one that no one notices. She's under the stairs. She's scrubbing the toilet, you know? Yeah. I mean, Um, it's a classic story because someone's about to drop out of the sky and say like, you don't know it, but you're a really special person and you're magical and like we're going to go on a crazy adventure. And all those fairy tales that we're talking about all the girls in them are like 14 years old that's sure. that weird thing we never sure. think about is they're all supposed to be like very very young right uh, i think because most of those writers were pedophiles 
No, uh, I think it's just also because these stories are from a time when you were going to be dead when you were 35. Right, like, they were middle-aged. You got to get going. Yeah, like, 13-year-olds yeah. were middle-aged, yeah. <laughs> they were buying the Ferrari. They, were, they had the 401k in place. Um, but, but Mila Kunis is, as an actress, she's very tiny. She's got these sort of big, big, giant baby eyes. Yeah, she's And she's petite. got a very high-pitched voice. Like, there's something very childlike to her. Sure. I, innately, and sort yeah. of an energy that makes you sort of... Um, Worried about her? I get you. I get you. And in a given scene, she's very sympathetic. Well, also, you're like, what? She's got to sell her eggs for, for a TV? Yeah, you feel bad. But there's you're, a you're metaphor like, there, I assume, for the larger story that unfolds, where I, we are all being harvested for, you know. I believe so. Consumerism. But there's a um, feeling in these this opening section that's very cartoonish, that's very over the top, is like, they're the they're the wicked stepsisters. They're, this is like the family. Bit, this is bit. the heightened sort of like the humble beginning. Here's, you know? here's what happens while this is all playing out. Cut to... <laughs> Fucking, I don't know, a planet that has been erased of life in an alien galaxy. Cut to my wildest dreams. A character called Kalik, played by Tuppence Middleton, who is more, her name is more absurd than her character's name. Yeah, they should have flipped those two. It should have been Tuppence Middleton, played by Kalik. And a guy called Titus, who's played by Douglas Booth, Uh huh. who's a young English actor who's kind of just pretty. He's a dreamboat, yeah. yeah. And uh, and Kalik is kind of looks old. Right? Yeah, she's yeah. pretty run down. Yeah. And and well, a, she looks like a young person, old person makeup. She does. Yes, you can tell it's a young actress. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, but, you can. But they try, but but she's wrinkly and a simpering. How do you describe Eddie Redmayne's performance as uh, Balem? I would describe it as the best of 2015. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy. He was honestly right outside my best supporting he's actor. Doing list. this thing where he's whispering every single word. And and also all of his dialogue is done in close ups and he's always like tearing up but not yeah. actually crying. His eyes, I swear to God, it's like they're shooting hoses right at them before like and then they like take the hoses out and they're like, roll camera. Like, you know, like that quickly. Do you, do you want my, my honest theory? Yeah. That right up until they called action, they had someone holding one of the big lights. Mm-hmm. Right, like, like melting a key his light, face. Like right in front of his eyes. Yeah. He looks Crazy, yeah. He, at, he, it's a great. I think it's a, a straight up great performance. He won the too. Golden Raspberry for worst supporting actor, which is bullshit. Yeah, but you know that's how these things go. Yeah, and it because he has, he kind of has the same diction and speech style as my high school physics teacher, Mister Jones, <laughs> which is basically like quiet, quiet, quiet. You know, like yeah, you know, and you're like where you have to kind of hang on his words because he's really quiet, and then out of nowhere he'll just be like. I said no! Like, he'll just shout, and you're just like, whoa, whoa, okay, okay, okay. You know, like, just to jolt you back up in your seat. Yeah. Here's what I don't get about the, the reaction to this performance, okay? If you just- I created life! If you, don't, yeah, if you don't like this movie, if you're not buying it in, you're going to find the whole thing, like, just too fucking goofy to tolerate, right? And I could see, well, and like- they, And, like, in the middle, what I'm saying is in the middle of all the Mila Kunis origin stuff, they just sort of slip this scene in. Very yeah, quick. Yeah. They, they ask <laughs> you Where they're to, talking about, like, House of Braxis and, like, yeah. well, I own the deed to Earth. And you're like, who are these people? What are they talking about? Yeah, it's three siblings <laughs> who look nothing alike, of very different ages, who mm-hmm. behave totally differently, all and, on an abandoned planet, like, city with, like, right. fly, like, space cars. But they're talking like they're from Downton Abbey. Right. And they, it's- it's lunacy. And they're like talking about like property. It's tech. also yeah. the same move they pulled with The Matrix, where it's just like The Matrix begins with all this gobbledygook. And then gets you to And then it Neo. catches you up. But like. This you know, flips it. They give it you like 10 minutes bit. of Jupiter doing stuff, and then they give you the scene that's just the like crazy banana. It's the same basic idea where they're like, don't worry about it. We're just laying a groundwork. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But here's my question for people who, who don't like Eddie Redmayne's performance in this movie. 
what do you think he should have done? I agree. Like, he's totally in sync with what the film is doing. He's the perfect villain for the tone, the, I agree. the, the sort of visuals Here, of this film. Here's my complaint. Yeah. Everyone else needs to be at that level. I agree 100%. Not. I think the he's problem. the most calibrated actor I in the entire film. I think that's why he gets shit for the performance, because everyone else is basically giving a 2014, 2015 performance. Yeah. And he's giving a great, like, old-fashioned big villain performance from like a movie from the 50s yeah or even the 80s i like this movie really feels like to me like a sort of dark crystal type like wacky like muppety movie to me it feels like that combined with like 40s adventure serials sure that sort of propulsive plotting combined with the sort of old british fairy tales and the you know um and and the frank Baum books and all that sort of stuff yeah um i think those are sort of the three major ingredients uh, but yeah, they talk about this deed tax. Eddie Redmayne immediately gets an Oscar from me. Um, and then we cut back to, to Jupiter. Yup. Jup. But our family calls her Jupiter because they're Russian. They, it's a soft J. Yep. Um, and Yeah, and basically to just move things along, yeah. she uh, has an appointment with the doctor. There's some like, you know, flim flam where she has like a rich client whose name she borrows, but like it's absolutely a Well, no but that ex- seems important because no, because because uh, she sees the the aliens. She's with a rich client. She's watching her get dressed. So she's talking at the party she has to go just to. Just to lay it out. Yeah. She Jupiter is using this rich client's name at the doctor's office for whatever reason. Yeah. To sell her eggs. Her genetic imprint like tripped some galactic, you know, yeah. space algorithm. <laughs> yeah. And so a bunch of little green men They've been looking for her. Have yeah. gone and so they go to the other girl, you know, to the girl whose name she borrowed, who's played by fucking uh, Vanessa Kirby, I think. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, and they like mess with her, and so we see some little green men. They look really good. I think they they're look pretty really good. well animated. Well, I mean, yeah. I think what the Wachowskis are trying to do here, which they also messed with with the Matrix, they do this with the Matrix some, mm-hmm. which is, is like they're trying to just to make this whole cloth sci-fi story that explains things. Yeah. In our world, so it's like, oh, people have been seeing like little green men. That's these weird little guys who come and like mess with reality when they need to kill someone or kidnap someone. Yeah, they're like, like they can go invisible. Yeah. they can wipe memories, and they mostly yeah. erase people's memories. But there's a few spares. But who cares? Because they just seem like crazy people. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and like, oh, you think we're all like created like ancient alien style? Yeah, we are. Right. Like, you know, like a lot of stuff where it's just like trying to explain myths that already exist. But uh, Jupiter's, like, in the bathroom when they come and start fucking with this girl, and then she walks back out and she sees the woman levitating. Yeah, and she, like, takes a picture. She takes a picture, telephone. and then they wipe her memory. Yeah. A couple days later, next day, whatever, she goes to... To donate her eggs. Right. To have her eggs harvested. Yes, and under this fake name, Catherine Dunleavy, and they're like, oh, Miss Dunleavy. And then when she gets under and she's on the table, they start saying creepy stuff. Yeah, I, I like this scene. It's cool, because, like... They throw in some little flashes of the people's faces changing into like the gray alien type yeah. face. They're like gray almond eyed aliens yeah, with like skinny just limbs. Your classic alien, big yeah. headed alien. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, oh, it all seems like it's about to go. They're going to fucking kill her or something. This is one problem I have with the plot of the movie is it seems like they're just there to kill her. Yes. They're like just making sure she is who she is, genetically testing her. And they're like, yep, it's her. Ding. And they're about to kill her. And then a uh, dog man. Uh, bursts into the room with a laser shield strapped to one arm and a gun, and he kills them all, and he rescues her, and he has roller skates that make him fly. And his name is? His name is Kane Wise. Wise. And he's a played Hell by yeah, Channing Tatum. Hell yeah, he is. Um, 
Kane. What do you think about this, Ben? About this scene or about the character? The character of Kane Wise. Uh, I mean, uh, a like a tant or something. Well, Channing Tatum is like a good-looking man. Agreed. And they made him just look like this weird dog boy. Agreed. And I just, I feel like you could have just told me, okay, he's half man, half wolf, and then not added the pointy ears and the weird face, and I'd be like on board still. Not only that, but he is wearing a crazy jaw-changing thing. Mm-hmm. To like make his jaw look different, which apparently meant that he couldn't even close his mouth and could barely speak his lines. Ugh. Like I think it really hurt his performance. Also, did they add freckles to his body? <laughs> no, I think <laughs> I, those I, are there. I think that's his sun-soaked face? body. Yeah, he just needed some makeup. In the shirtless on that. scenes, he's got he's got a ton of shoulder freckles. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think he, you know he was a Miami Beach boy or something. You know, it's, sure. it spans time. Um, I I see. I love that, and I don't know if it's just me being perverse, but like I love the fact that they got this guy who's like America's favorite hunk. At that moment, he was unquestionably the hunk du jour, right? At the moment they cast him in this film, he was coming off his crazy. Uh, was it 2013? Was the triple header of Magic Mike 21, The Jump. Vow, or he had four films? It was Magic Mike, The Vow, 21 Jump Street, and GI Joe Retaliation, he had, which he's barely. in. But they sold yeah, they just, hard on they, his back. Well, they just cranked him into that because he was hot. Right. No, 21 Jump is 2012. 2013, he was in Side Effects, G.I. Joe. Uh, he's in This Is The End for a second. Yeah. White House Down, great movie, not a big hit. Yeah. Don John, that's his 2013. So 2012 was the year 2012 I was 2012 has about. The Vow, it has Haywire, and it has Magic Mike. Right, and 21 Jump Street. Um, yeah, he, this he, was his, 20, he was coming off for the 2014 year of Foxcatcher 22 Jump Book of Life. Yeah, but remember the film was supposed to come out before that. Wait, no, wait, Foxcatcher came out. I can't remember. Foxcatcher no, came out, yeah, end of 2014. But my point is, uh, Jupe was supposed to come out summer 2014, 2014 which means, you know, it so was shooting yeah. 2013. He was hot shit. He was hot shit. He was and you're saying you like that they make him look like a fucking weirdo. Yeah, but he's I think still, I agree with you. But he's still supposed to be, like, it's not Hanson. like making Steve Carell in Foxcatcher look like a creepo. Like, they're like, we're hiring the sex symbol. He's still supposed to be the sex symbol of the movie, and we're going to make him look weird. I basically agree with you. I basically agree with you. I, my problem with him comes a little later. What and you no said, collar? Yeah. Finger. You should put in the fingered riff. I love that fingered riff, The fingered riff, riff was so good. Uh, okay. Ben, oh, yeah. I'll add it there. Yeah. Um, I do uh, think... What you said about the the jaw thing making it difficult for him to say his lines makes a lot of sense with this performance because it's a very quiet performance. It's a quiet performance. It should be really... Here's my problem with the performance. It's kind of mumbled, yeah. Uh, is that later on in the film, not much later on, mm-hmm. because basically he collects Jupiter and they have this crazy chase scene through Chicago. Which I love. Which I think is good. I mean, I, I wish I loved it. I like it. It's good. Mm-hmm. You've also got like Duna Bay and a couple other people. Are Our these, friend like, from Cloudy Atlas. Yeah. Who are these people who are also like hunting her? Yeah. There's a lot of like business. There's these dragon people. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. The dragon people. <laughs> They're great. Love them. They're just some people are dragons. I mean, B- Balam has some bodyguards and they're yeah. dragons. But also, some of them just seem like we to should... be like, some of them are just dragons. This movie's hard to keep track of because it just starts cutting to, it's like, cut to Jupiter. In the giant red spot, <laughs> Balam has a mining thing, and he's live, sitting in his office talking to a little man called Mr. Knight and four dragons. Uh, Mr. Knight's like a mouse, dude. 
Yeah, Mr. Knight's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I do, 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 do wish to attend. Yeah. You know, the matters of evil do require some paperwork. He's you know, from like, like, a, like a live action Wind in the Willows adaptation. <laughs> and then... Yeah, he's from like the BBC's Lion, yeah. Witch, and the Wardrobe <laughs> yeah, miniseries. Exactly. He's played by Edward Hogg is oh, the name of the actor. The great Edward Hogg. Um, uh, and so like we've got that and like there's a scene where Balam is just like, I must have the girl. David's physical impression was so good right now. I just want the listener at home to know he's adding it to his Mad TV reel along with <laughs> Agent Smith. And so I feel like this is, like with many a Wachowski movie, yeah. this is where people are either like, oh, forget this. What the hell is going on? Or they're like, you know, there's then there's the fraction that are like, oh, I like more of this. Please, like cut to another thing. Is there is there Terry Gilliam perhaps in a clockwork like tax shop? Can We're I, gonna get him. Can I bring up my complaint with Terry Gilliam in this movie? Sure. So you have this film that's like so designy, right? So art directed. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got this crazy makeup and the hair. Like yeah. Duna Bay has what is clearly Lana Wachowski's hair. Yeah, she's got this massive, but it's even bigger. This but it's massive like purple, purple pink, dreadlock ponytail style yeah. wig. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah pigtails yeah, 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 on yeah, either side. Pigtails. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It like looks like Lana's hair, but. uh Everyone's got all this sort of designy elements, right? Yeah. Uh, even Jupiter, like who is the guy who's the partner of her, who's like black, and then all, he's like a black man who has been painted like jet black, and he has like, he's a like black arrow colored, on his head, and then he's, his facial hair is feathers, like he's got a it, feather it, goatee. I love that guy. He doesn't do anything, love but him. he's good, great design. He's great. Uh, and I love how Duna Bay's like little speeder bike has another gun that's just floating next yep. to it. It's not attached. Yes, sir. And I love that Channing Tatum's shield is not explained. He just sort of has like a force field like on one arm. Yeah. It kind of just shows up. Yeah, I kind of think this movie could do with explaining less because I think the things they don't explain and just show you, you just get, you accept. No, the biggest problem, and I, that's my, the, my complaint. Let me get to my complaint. Yeah. Unless you wanted to say something specific about Terry Gilliam. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, we could also wait until we get to the scene, but, but you have all these characters that are so designed, and then Terry Gilliam shows up. And it's like they didn't even put him through hair and makeup. He just showed up as is, and they put him in front of camera. <laughs> That's very funny. Thank you. Terry Gilliam looks like a maniac in this movie. <laughs> and it's really, I mean, there's this scene, we'll get to it, that's very obviously, I think, an homage to Brazil. 100%. And it's just like, anyway, we'll get to it. Yeah. But here's my problem, and it's sure. about telling and not showing. Okay. Is uh, uh, Sailor Bob, uh, what's his name? Cain uh, Wise, mm-hmm. whisks uh, Jupiter away. He, he rescues her. There's a bunch of action scenes uh, through in, like, the skies of Chicago. He's got this, like, force field skatey thing. He goes to his pal's house out in the boondocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, his pal's played by Sean Bean. He's Stinger. Plays Stinger. Yeah. Stinger Apney. Yeah. Who is a bee man. He, he likes those bees, yeah. He's a bee man. Yeah. He's a bee man. In some way, some guys are, are butt man, you know? No, no, he's a bee man. Some guys are wolf man. Anyway. He gives this speech to uh, Jupiter while we're, cr- we're cross-cutting with, like, um, with Cain, like, getting his weapons out and cocking them all. Where he's just like, yeah. he was the run to the litter. But, you know, some of them, they're, they're, you know, turn out to be, like, sold. And they're, they're crappy. But, like, Could uh, be in. Or else you're, like, yeah. fearless, you know. Yeah. It, he's basically telling us, like, this guy's crazy. Yeah, this guy right. survived being the runt of some kind of, like, mutant wolfman litter. Yeah. He survived being sold into slavery and now he's like this renegade, crazy bounty hunter. He's a loose he's cannon. He's a wolfman. He's a loose cannon. He's a wild cannon. card. You don't get any of that from Tatum. You don't get any of it. Yeah, I agree. You know and what he, like it's I wish it was there. Here's what he really could have used. 
he could have used some like lethal weapon Mel Gibson kind of energy. Or a, a Greedo scene. Give him a Greedo scene early on where he shoots Greedo. Yeah. Which is crucial for Han Solo. Yeah. Where we're like, this guy's just bragging about his ship. Who is this guy? And then he like executes a green alien. And you're like, great, great, okay, okay. Yeah, Don't I, mess with this guy. I just think he needed a guy. You know, Chang Tatum, I, I like a lot as an actor. I enjoy Chang Tatum a lot, although I think he's better when he's being sincere. I agree. That's I what I was going to say. He doesn't have a hard edge, you know? Somewhat, you know, every movie star, not, not every actor, but every movie star, like Capital One movie star, has some sort of inherent quality mm-hmm. that makes them a star. There's mm-hmm. a thing that they are able to project that you can't punch out of them that is what people respond to, right? Sure. And I read some critic once. It was kind of mean, but she said, or it wasn't even a critic. It was like an anonymous studio exec talking about when Chang Tatum was having this killer year. And it was like Hollywood Reporter, like, what makes Chang Tatum? Why, why are people connecting him so hard right now? And she said, there's this thing with him. He's very handsome, but there's something about him that looks a little slow. Yeah, no, he looks like a doofus. Right, yeah. he looks a little doofus, yeah. but he's so sincere. He's and got, he's, like, sticky-outy ears. He looks yeah. like he has, like, fetal alcohol And he's got little, little eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's very handsome, but almost in spite I mean, of his looks. he's a cutie pie, yeah, yeah. totally. But, she I mean, said, like, when he's in Foxcatcher, he looks so simian. Like, yes. it's not hard to, just with a little makeup, to kind of push him into looking, like, Correct. basically, like, almost proto-human. Right. Yeah. And and this executive, this anonymous executive said, the thing about him is he looks a little slow and the audience roots for him because they're like, this guy's trying really hard and I can tell how tough it is for him to do anything. Yeah. Right? Right. right. And all his best roles are that. It's like, he's a really sincere guy who's trying to get people to take him seriously, to look at him in a different way, trying to get his wife to fall back in love with him. No, I mean- Trying to pull off the undercover cop. Or, or in Magic Mike, I feel yeah. like, where he's like the guy who's like, oh, I'm going to have like a furniture business. Right. And like anyone else, you'd be like, oh, this guy's so washed up. But with Channing Tatum, you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, he'll pull it off. Best scene in the movie is yeah. the one with Betsy Brandt when he goes to try to get the loan. And, and she's like really condescending to him and he's trying to get her to take him seriously. Right. And she just won't, you know? Yeah. That's the interesting dynamic with him. What this film needed was something like Tom Hardy, where you watch Tom Hardy and you're like, this guy this could- This guy's a maniac. He's a maniac. Yeah. Even when Tom Hardy's playing a nice guy- No, no, no. Abs- Tom Hardy is a good call. Would have killed I him. mean, obviously Tom Hardy, we're thinking of Mad Max when we say this, but like right. he's a good call. Yes. But I mean, I admire what they're trying to do. They've got a movie star. They think on their hands and they like want to make him this like lovable rogue. But they he's just... also, I mean, look, Chang Tatum is able to express a lot physically, right? He's a very physical actor. This is a man of very few words and he does the action scenes beautifully. And one thing I really like about this film is you can tell there's very little ironically after they sort of were the ones who created this wave with The Matrix Reloaded, the sort of CGI ragdoll stunt body thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can tell that, like, all the scenes where Kane is, like, laser rollerblading around, yep. that he's on wires, yeah. and either they were they hanging him from a helicopter. They built this crazy rig, right? I think, yeah. Even when they were compositing, when he, it's him in front of a green screen. I mean, you could tell in certain shots he's literally on set being hung up, right? Right. But even the green screen sort of composite shots, you can tell he's actually doing the physical action. I noticed like three shots in the entire film where it looked like they were using a CGI double. Right. And like he was a really good casting choice in that sense. He was a bad casting choice in that you need someone with 5 to 10% simmering craziness under the surface. Yeah, I think that's a problem. You know, I think you needed either like one scene to show that in the script yep. and or just someone who perpetually has a little bit of that spice under under their skin, you know. Yep. That having said, I think I think he's nice in this movie. 
Yeah, I think he's fine. He's a nice boy. But yeah. his character basically boils down to he like bursts into the action like the Kool-Aid man over and over and over again. <laughs> it's like shit's about to go down. Uh-oh. And then he shows up and he's like, no, Jupiter, and grabs yeah. her and they like skate away. There's a lot of rescuing in this film. This a is a rescue, rescuing. heavy so, film. Um, he, he gives her the quick speech that's like, I, I know we're jumping back a little bit. He gives her a quick speech where he tries to explain everything. Mm-hmm. I think this scene is actually kind of well done because- When they're at like the top of the Sears Tower or whatever? Yeah. yeah. I think this is kind of well written because he keeps on like saying these crazy terms and then realizing she has no idea what he's talking about. Right. And so he'll say like, they're watchers. They're like people who come by to make sure everything's working. Yeah. You know, which is like, if you're gonna, because we've talked a lot about how these movies get bogged down when there's too much lingo, you need a whole- mm-hmm sort of fucking dictionary to understand the vocabulary of these worlds, right? Yeah. This scene, at least, is him sort of going like, here's what they're called, but it doesn't really fucking matter. Right, no, he doesn't. Here's a lot what of you that. need to know. This guy's trying to get you. These guys work for him. Here's who you are, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that scene sets it up pretty well. I think he's kind of, um, he doesn't seem crazy in that scene, but he seems really wounded and lonely. I think he gets that he's across fine. very he's well fine. in that scene. Um, and then there's this, you know, there's a big, there's a big chase. Then he takes her to Sean Bean's house. Right. With and the, bees. the Wachowskis have devised a shorthand to lock Sean Bean's character in to like recognizing that this woman is royalty, even and if she doesn't know it. Because he hates Channing Tatum. He doesn't like Channing Tatum. I forget why. When they first show up, they fucking punch a bunch. Yeah. Wh- why don't they like each other? Because Channing Tatum has an innate distrust of royalty, like an instinctual dog-like distrust of royalty, right? Uh-huh. And so he tore out uh, fucking Eddie Redmayne's throat, which is why Eddie Redmayne sounds like that. Right. See, I've tracked almost all of yeah, this Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, put it, tell me, tell yeah. me. Yeah. He clawed This at, is all delivered in exposition, and it's, you Very know, quickly. It's, yeah, tough to They to go retain. through it real yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't like royalty- he smelled that he was a rat, which he was correct about, right? Yes, he clawed Eddie Redmayne's throat. They were going to uh, put him down. They were going to euthanize him uh, like a dog. And uh, Sean Bean, who was his leader and like his trainer, yeah. uh, he was the leader of the yeah. squad, said, it's my fault. I trained him badly. I should take the hit. Yeah. And so rather than kill Channing Tatum, they clipped both of their wings. Yeah, they both had wings. And then like kicked him out. Yeah. Of the sort of royal army. So that's why they're mad at each other. Anyway. So Chang Tam's become this sort of rogue is, agent, yeah, and yeah, Sean yeah. Bean just moved to a house on the farm with a bunch of bees and his daughter. And his daughter, yeah. And anyway, so they're they're having a little bit of a scrap, and he's like, you never should have come back here. And then, oh, what happens? 100,000 bees gather around Mila Kunis, and, and she starts directing them with her hands up and down. And Sean Bean delivers the lines, bees, like, have an innate, I can't, what the, it's bees always recognize royalty? Or? Yes. Well, he, before he says anything, he takes a knee. Yeah, and he bows says, to he her. says, your majesty. And she says, what do you mean your majesty? And he goes, the bees, they always recognize royalty. Because she said, what's going on? So here? I feel like this is where, if you haven't dropped out before, you're just like, just fuck that, right? You know, like a lot of the audience laughed derisively. Yeah, I love it. I, I do mean, too. I and I think that's people who are viewing this like it's a sci-fi movie, you know? Yeah. As, as opposed to like the Wizard of Oz, where if, like if that happened to Wizard of Oz, you'd be like, yeah, that's fine. They're bees. The bees. They sense the bees. royalty. Well, like, I, mean, I think it's also like, it's such a cheap cute idea where it's like because there's a queen bee like you know like that basically is the idea but i like it i think it's, it's a funny cute movie it's trying to be cute yeah i like it i do too so anyway I sean bean's like this movie cool you're the princess or whatever yeah. and uh nice to see you 
you may not understand it, but basically your genes have just reoccurred. I don't think he even, I think Tuppence Middleton explains kind, kind that Kind of cloud atlasy. They say <laughs> that like genetically, it's not just like your spirit <laughs> repeats, yeah. but genetically your material when you die. It's just like yeah. life happens so long that eventually there's just going to be an exact reoccurrence to the exact same genes is the idea every 100,000 years or whatever. Right. And so you're just the same person that this old person was. Yeah. Who was the mother of the three siblings we met. Right. They t- the you Abraxas know, family. Sh- Sean Bean offers up a lot of exposition. There's a moment I love where he's like, let me explain to you how things work. Oh, yeah. And he, he tries takes, to, uh, to get the, the he screen He takes like working. a future yeah. book out of his bookshelf. <laughs> and it, like, and it, like, it has like a little like VR sort of like 3D projection <laughs> this thing. This is so good. But it's and like it he's shorts tr- out. Yeah. It's like he's trying to play an old timey newsreel. Well, it's like the scene no. in the mystery film or where they show tr- him like, yeah. But also, or he's trying to do something that fucking so many movies do. Yeah. Like, fucking, uh, uh, the Star Wars movie even does it. You know, yeah. any just holograph pops up. The Avengers movies do it all the time. Where yeah. it's like, here's, you know, Count Bulow over here. And yes. here's, you know, and like, it just shorts out. And but he's the, like, fucking budget cuts or whatever. But the, the energy with which they set it up is like, can I show you something? And it's like the scene where the next shot is, they turn the lights on in the projection room and they have something laced up and they show him a newsreel that explains the entire backstory of the bad guy or whatever, right? And with this, it's like he's got this wonky piece of technology that looks like something from the future. But in his time, it's like this is fucking 80 years old. It barely works. He hits it on his knee. It short circuits. Okay. Uh, he says that, too. He says that like, um, the, oh, because Shane Tam's got this cut on his stomach oh, yeah. that she puts a maxi pad over, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they're in the car. And he's like, and what he's are you bleeding, doing? And yeah. she's like, lucky for you, this car is owned by a woman. And right. she finds a fucking maxi pad. Tapes it to his chest. Sean Bean's like, what's this? Shane Tam's like, and then he gets some spray and the wound just heals up. And she's like, what, what's that? And it's like, you'd be surprised how much technology your people have created. Right. And she's like, why, why wouldn't we just like, why wouldn't we have all this? Why wouldn't you tell everyone about what's going on in space? And he's like, they can't take it. Okay. 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 Back on track. All right. So (laughs) Kane and Stinger Uh and Jupe. Yep. Yeah, Goop, ambushed Goop. Yeah. at a cornfield, which was weird because Looper had just come out, and there was yeah. all or like a year or two earlier, and there was also a big cornfield battle, a lot of cornfield battles. Yeah, and there's a big fight at a cornfield that, in my opinion, kind of sucks, lacks stakes. Yeah, they've got it's these not weird cool. weapons that don't make sense, like they don't even seem very lethal. Like one of them just sort of knocks Jupiter down, mm-hmm. and then there's this reveal where like Duna Bay turns on another of the bounty hunters, but you're just like. Well, who is that? Like, you know, it doesn't, you, you don't get the alliances at play. Yeah, this is probably my least favorite sequence in the movie. Yeah. But it ends with her getting, Jupiter getting captured and mm-hmm. taken to Tuppence Middleton. Yeah, they put taken her in like a. Taken to Planet Tuppence. They put her in like a, a, a tractor Cleek. beam sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah she's floating up. And looks and he's cool. like, no! Yeah. Uh, okay, so Tuppence Middleton. So Tuppence Middleton, a.k.a. Uh, more like Exposition Middleton. Sure, sure yeah. Uh, she delivers a lot of exposition. She's an old lady. Yeah, an old age, like like we said, she's a young lady in old age makeup. Old age makeup. But she looks like when you say old lady, she looks like she's maybe like yeah, sixty five. Right. Yeah, she doesn't look that old. You know, there's a cute moment where uh, she asks Jupiter how old she is, and she's like, I don't know, mid forties, which is like obviously her being nice. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Carry uh, on. And Tubbins Milton's like, I'm going into my my seventh century. Yeah. No, millennia. 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 She's seven thousand yeah. years old. Right. Yes. 
Uh, and she's like basically explains like so this whole genetic resequencing thing I explained to you you're basically the reincarnation of my mommy who here's a statue of her looks like you doesn't it yeah she anyway, was 23 millennia yeah, old some bonkers shit like that and it's like anyway I've got these two brothers and one of them owns the deed to earth and like you know it's a lot of crazy shit to tell you anyway do you know how I stay this old I'm gonna take a bath let me take my clothes off yeah she shows her right bottom she steps into the bath she gets out of the bath bottom's looking even riper. Because she just lost, like, fucking 30, 40 years, right? Indeed she did. Yeah. Although, um, I gotta say, if I, have, if I have one main complaint about the movie, her face looks a lot less wrinkly after she gets out of the bath, but but she her butt wasn't that wrinkly when she went into the bath. They don't try too hard with the butt. No. Um, which maybe, you know, maybe some people should, should heed that warning, you know, learn that lesson. Don't try too hard with the butt. Uh, fuck me, negative 15 comedy points. Yeah, it was terrible. She has this whole spiel about... Like, we've all got our perfect genetic sequence, like, programmed. And, like, that's what I'm just rebooting back to. Basically. Yeah, it's just getting like, back to basics. Back to you 23 know? years old, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Mila Kunis asked, she's like, if, your mo- if you people live this long, how did your mother actually die? And she's like, she was killed. She was murdered. She was murdered. And then she was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. She's like, it's fine. She was fucking 23,000 years old. It's fine. She lived a good life. Don't worry about it. So I'm over it. So did that you, happened four millennia ago. So 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 you get what I what what is kind of annoying is like you get this exposition, right? Yeah. And then she goes off, she hooks up with like the uh, what are they called? The the Aegis, who are like the uh, police, the galactic police. Uh-huh. And then they get like picked up by Titus, brother, you know, Douglas Booth, sibling number two. Yeah. And he's like, let me just complete the exposition. So the blue pool that she where did got she take into, you up to? How far that, did you get into this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, good, good. good. The I blue can go pool that makes you young—that's yeah. made of a hundred people per canister, and it turns you young. But you have to harvest whole planets to create it, and that's what we do. Right? Oops! Don't drop it. Shit! And she just realized, like, she's just wasted a bunch of lives. Yeah, hundred lives. Right. And he was like, they—they uh, they explain that humans are aliens. So it's like Tuppence explains. You're the reincarnation of my mother, and you're that like you're a really important part of right. this galactic family. She leaves a clean edit point, and then Titus <laughs> exactly, yeah, and then Titus explains, <laughs> uh, oh, and we create this substance by harvesting people who yeah. we plant on planets and grow to a certain like you know six to seven billion person level. But I like this idea because they're not saying to Mila Kunis to Jupiter like, oh, we both look like humans, but we're different species. In the way that, like, Luke Skywalker is sure. an alien. Right, but he's a humanoid. Right, exactly. They're like, oh, no, we're literally the same species. You're an alien. There aren't, like, there aren't human beings of Earth. We find a bunch of planets. Yeah. We move into them. We build a bunch of people. We wait a couple millennia until they're, like, nice and cooked. Uh-huh. And then we go in and we harvest them. Yeah. We get all the life out of them. Right. And it's like, we seeded Earth, like, 100,000 years ago. Yeah. Now, uh, this is like the third time the Wachowskis have been going to this well. Yeah, like people is it's very Matrix. Yeah, and a, and of course Cloud Atlas also in a little. You know, I mean, it's less of one a of prominent thing. One of yeah. the six storylines, but yes, also has this idea of human basically, humans basically used as food. Yeah, uh, you know, and in um, what should we call it? In uh, the Matrix, they're used as sort of energy. Yep. They're an energy or source. Batteries, right? And in this one, we're like currency. Yeah, kind of, but we're also basically like a high-end beauty product. We basically, yeah. we buy people more time. 
but that's the thing. I mean, Tuppence Middleton says she goes like, you know, the, all the silly stuff that your people squabble right. about on your she's planet. Like, when you're practically immortal like me, all you want is to live longer. Right. Yeah. But she's like, there are all these things you're fighting over, like land, you know, energy, like, like, like energy, like oil, money, oil. Yeah. Like none of that matters. The only valuable resource is time. Yeah. It's much like the hit film about time. Yeah. No, or the film, hit film in time. That's the one you're thinking of. That's what of. I'm thinking of. Yeah. It's not like about time. Uh, which is a cute movie. Yeah. Sure. I like it. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. I like that movie. I like that movie. <laughs> but I like that they go so elemental in this, and they really, like, they start mapping this 1% thing. Yeah. So the film has this very broad consumer, like, yeah, the, uh, you know, critis- critique of the of the, the moneyed class aristocracy type thing going on, but very broad, very space opera broad. Very space opera broad. I guess this what makes it. This is this what makes it different. This is what makes it different than the last two depictions they've done of similar things, right? In this one, we're really getting FaceTime with the people who make this decision. Sure. Like in the Matrix, they're Sentinels. Whatever. There's they're fucking machines. flying things, right? In Cloud Atlas, it's like we don't yeah. see who's at the top of the chain. Yeah, it's, we don't get to that, right? We don't see who's made those decisions. In this, they're sitting down in a personable way, going like. Why, why Look, wouldn't you if you could live is. forever? If you got to break a few eggs, if you got to well, yeah. waste other people's that's, lives, that's what you do. Which is sort of like, I mean, this kind of Madoff-y thing where it's like, well, if you want to make a couple billion dollars, you got to not care about other fucking people. Well, and also it's like, I like this idea that comes in later where she's worrying about signing over the deed to Earth to Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry. Like, I won't even harvest the planet for another few hundred years. You won't even know about it. Yeah. You're going to be dead. It's like, honestly, it doesn't affect most people's lives. Which I love. There's like 100 billion people live and die yeah. during this like growth over period. Over and over again. Yeah. And then, yeah, right at the end, you got to skim like 8 billion people off the top. You know, that's no nice. That's not nice. That's no nice. Yeah, that's, that's no nice. That's a no nice. Uh, but, uh, we're gonna put that on a T-shirt that we'll sell on Amazon. That's no nice. That's a no nice. <laughs> um, but uh, but it is sort of this like equivalency thing, like or what you know, yeah. like they're they're just they're just sort of living with the bad thing to you know for the, all the good things, right? But the other thing I sort of you know dug into more watching it this second time because I you know the plot I had sort of figured out more, so I was able to kind of read yeah. into what they were doing, and it's not very hidden, right? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty basic, it's like pretty basic surface stuff. They're they're painting with a very you know broad brush here, a thick brush, but um, they keep on talking about. I mean, it's this idea of like they're old moneyed people. They're rich because they were born rich. They will always be rich. Like, this is eternal. You know, they are literally, like, pretty much eternal because they have this resource, but it's, like, they're sort of born into a sociopathy of, like, you deserve this. You do whatever you can to keep this going. Yeah. You've been given this opportunity. And when they talk about Jupiter, who is sort of, you know, this reincarnation, which makes her part of the bloodline. Right. She's not being told that she's part of it, which is, like, the Cinderella fantasy, you know? Oh, you're meant to be a princess, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those stories are, you don't know who you are. This is who you really are. You're Harry Potter. You're living under the staircase, but you're actually the most powerful wizard in the world. They keep on using the word entitlement. Right. They go, like, we need to sign your entitlement. Mm -hmm. You are entitled to this, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's this idea of, like, because of who you are, not what you did, you have this power. And all you have to do is just turn your head the other way. Right. Is just not care about how you're hurting. And she doesn't, that doesn't that, sit well with her. Well, this is the thing about the movie that is good and bad. Yes. Uh, is that her triumph and her experience has already been lived, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I tweeted this. I found the tweet. 
uh, if you want to read it Jupiter aloud. Ascending is basically a movie about how the privileged class should clean toilets for 25 years before being given access to money. Was that it's, from the time of its release? No, I just tweeted it just Oh, now, good. Like, okay. Uh, a few days ago. Um, but uh, it's like, w- the reason she has like a strong moral center and like a disgust for what they're doing and it's kind of a disinterest in her quote unquote entitlement is because she's already lived a nice, like, you know, tough life. Yeah, she's been, like, invisible to society for yeah. so long. She knows what it's so, like to not be looked at as ex- a person. Exactly. Yeah. So she doesn't want to treat humanity that way. Right. And so and you even get that that's in the scene. what it takes yeah. to inspire a revolution. Unfortunately, that's not something the film can really depict happening. It's more just like we already kind of assume she's not going to go for it. Yeah. And is, she doesn't go for it. I mean, that's by the nature of this film. This is to me where the movie kind of grinds to a halt and has some trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think they did want to make sequels to this film. I think this film works as its own self-contained story. I mean, but you could, you could see... do any sequel because yeah. this is a world in which, a universe in which literally anything is possible. Right. You'd just be like, there's some trouble on the planet, boop-a-doop, and yeah. you just fly over there. It's like, what's there? Oh, they're all gelatinous cubes. We're going to have to deal with that. Like, you know, they could do whatever they wanted. Like, I mean, yes, I agree with you that it cuts both ways. You could see how this film sets the stage beautifully for a sequel where she is empowered. She's the queen of Earth. She can do whatever she wants. Sure. This film, because she's the babe in the woods, because yeah. she's the one coming into this world, she's our surrogate character, you know? Mm-hmm. She's the one who doesn't understand anything. A lot of the film has to be her learning stuff. And going, what? Right. Oh, me? Right. And sort of just making the choice of where she stands. That's her power, right? Is like, what do I believe in? If in the third act she was like, fuck this, I'm suiting up and became yeah. a warrior, we probably would have the complaint of like, that's pretty fast transition that she becomes this powerful. Well, or you could have done the classic, you know, like first act, she's nobody, second act, tempted by royalty, ooh, gets into all this business as she's flying around with tuppence then realizes, wait a second, these blue baths are people, and then rebels. But instead it's like, who am I? What is all this? These blue baths are people. Oh, I don't like that. Like, you know, it's all at once. Well, yeah. But even the one you were throwing out, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of movies like that where someone picks up a gun having scrubbed toilets for 25 years. I get what your point is, but they don't do that. They don't do that. Right. But also what they do is shitty in its own way, which is like she doesn't really get to do anything other than just let people know what she thinks. The biggest problem with the movie is that once she's at Titus's planet, ship, Mm -hmm. whatever, Gugu Mabatha-Ra is there is a... Gugu Mabatha-Ra. Is a lady with ears. Gugu Mabatha-Ra. All right. (laughs) What was that? You didn't like that? It was okay. I was doing ODB. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the movie this morning and I was like, oh, (laughs) that'd be a funny thing to do. You should do that. I just don't want to make fun of her name, I guess. Is I don't word. either. I yeah. love her. I'm not making fun of her. She's one of my favorite actresses. I was like, here's honestly what was going on. I got a notification about the Star Wars card trader app. Uh, here's, here's what was going on. Do you still use it every day? Yeah. I do too, but it's sort of become perfunctory. I, I'm only chasing one series now. You know, Which whereas one? Uh, the, the 77s. Yeah. I'm in it for the 77s and nothing else. I like, and the fans' choice, but that's easy because they're free. I just have to remember to check in. Uh, please make trades on Griff Lightning on the Star Wars trade, a card trader app. You're David L. Sims? David L. Sims. Yeah. Uh, feel free to uh, make us any trade requests. Anyway, what I was going to say is I love Gugu Mbatha Raw. Me too. She's one of my favorite actresses. Great. Uh, I want her to be the biggest star in the world. Sure. Uh, I was watching this film, and every time she came on screen, she doesn't have a large part. She, she plays, has ears. Yeah, she, she's got like bad she plays ears. She's an eared lady. She's got like bad ears. She's yep. got like big sonar bad, bad ears or maybe like deer ears. I don't know what animal her she's supposed is, to be. She's supposed to be a deer. Uh, her name she is? is? Yes, Famulus. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. Hey, you know, I got a problem. Yeah, shoot, Ben. All right, cool. So 
this is how this is how this is what tripped me up at least. Okay. All right. So apparently humans are from this like ancient form of humans that's like from another galaxy, right? Correct. Yeah. But still, if we we know about evolution, humans come from monkeys. So do we oh, you're saying do this we is come Nancy. from space monkeys? Yes. Yeah. Then space monkeys. But did they then bring space monkeys to sure. the planet? Probably. They probably just imitate their evolution. On another planet. I want to see these space monkeys. Yeah, me too. Good question. I mean, good call. Space I mean, monkeys. The, the way I viewed it is this film is supposing, presupposing that like every species that we know has the potential to evolve into a human being. Oh, interesting. What? Into like a humanoid type figure. What do you mean? Because you, you have about? all these, you got like yeah, elephant Yeah, no, he's dude. right though. There's, no, a, there's dragon people. I think, yeah, those, which no, I think those they're supposed are, to be dinosaurs, those right? Those are or splices. Splices. They are keep all them, of them splices? I think so. Not I the think, dinosaurs. See, I think Channing's a splice. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I think Kane Wise is a splice because he says so explicitly, but he's also just got like a touch of the dog, you know? But I look yeah. at like the elephant man you see at like the, the control. I mean, maybe I'm just creating my own fucking crazy backstory to this. They so don't wait, explain are it. animals then just aliens? Is and there's like dog this planets. this a Zootopia situation? And there's rhino planets. Is this a Zootopia situation, yes or no? Is this one part of the ZCU? Yes. What do you think of Zootopia? A good movie. So is yeah. Earth just I liked like- I it a lot. Is Earth like we bought a zoo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. God, that All seems right, we, like a vote for Cameron Crowe. We yeah. solved that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Hey ben, which one do you want us to do? <laughs> Uh, Let's say this actually, Ben. I mean, give us who you'd pick out of the four, but also if you could pick any filmmaker, who would your next miniseries topic oh, be? Oh, wow. Jeez, hey, um, you're really putting me on the spot here. You can think about it. We'll give yeah, you, let's we'll throw it back, back at we'll, the end of the episode. We'll, we'll okay. get through this, and then uh, I'll have an answer by then. What I was going to say was that I love Kuguma Bath Harash. He makes me really happy. When I saw her in the movie, I started like singing songs to myself. <laughs> That's I was fine. trying That's to come fine. up with a song I, I know, that incorporated her name, and I was like, goo goo, Mabathara, because her name's fun to say, so I was like, come up with the original songs, and then I was like, you could just map ODB onto it. Yeah. I'm sorry if it seemed no, disrespectful. No, it's fine, it's fine. Let's I was just trying move to celebrate on. her. Please, I'm hungry. Um, I am hungry. Go, go, Mabathara. But, so, the problem, my complaint is, at yeah. the Titus scene, yes. the Titus scenes, uh-huh. he's like, I hate these uh, blue, the the harvesting. I hate it all. It's terrible. My mother hated it. She was trying to stop it. Yeah, I, I want mean, to pick you, up where you, she left off. You're you, my, mother. my mother. So let's get married. Yeah. Uh, nobody says like, um, but I'm your mom, right? Yeah, because the other two characters kept, keep on being like, mom. You are basically my mother. Right, and she even like her last big line to Eddie Redmayne is like, I'm we'll, not your we'll, mother. We'll get to that. I know. We'll but but That's Titus like doesn't push the mommy thing at all. No, he's, he's just, just like, like, let's get married. We're friends. And she's like, uh, I guess so. And he's like, great. I've hired 100,000 robots to be the audience Everyone's for our ready. wedding. Yeah, and the robots have like gun arms. And it's not like their forearms are guns. It's like right at the shoulder they have guns and they have little stubs. They have little nubby guns at their shoulders. So laser guns. I mean, there and he even says like you're even more gullible than my mother was or something like that. Which is probably my least favorite moment in the movie. Yeah, it's bad and like she, yes, yeah, she's getting swept up in something that is so obviously not good. Yeah, it's obviously a ploy. She doesn't like inquire and how does she save fucking Channing Tatum's space roller skates from one ship to another? Yeah, I mean she's not in love with him. There's no There's the no film, reason to do it. But I'm saying like I admire that the film doesn't do a sort of frozen fake out where it's like, oh, she thinks she's in love with this guy and then she realizes the guy was just in it for the castle, right? Uh-huh. Like, it, it seems pretty clear from the get-go that this is a strategic marriage. 
I understand. But it also happens so fucking quickly. So fast. Yeah. And, I assume and he, she makes the decision so quickly. He kind of tries to frame it as like, oh, you need to marry me to like secure Earth's, uh, you know, safety and all that. Yeah, because Eddie Redman's going to sweep in. He's like a problem guy, so you don't want to deal with him. Yeah. yeah. The two siblings are against Eddie Redman. Like, that's very clear from the beginning. Kind Even the opening of. scene. They don't like him. Tuppence is kind of playing the middle, though. Yeah. Uh, she's straddling the line, maybe, but Eddie's definitely like the black sheep of the family, um, the quiet sheep. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they're having a wedding ceremony. There's a cool thing where they fucking. Uh, is this before or after the the bureaucracy scene? Before or after the bureaucracy scene? The Brazil sequence. No, I think it's after. We forgot about that, and we should talk about it. I think yeah. that in the middle, she goes to the capital planet or whatever. They're like, you got to get certified the as- Coruscant, right. if you will. You have to get certified as the queen of and Earth. And there's an ex- excellent sequence mm-hmm. where she has a robot helper as- whose name is Intergalactic Advocate Bob. Probably my favorite character in the film. 100%. 1,000% the best character. If you had to do a Holy Trinity in this film, who would it be? Intergalactic Advocate Bob. Number one with a bullet, no question. Number one with a bullet. Uh, chicanery Knight, <laughs> Mr. Knight. <laughs> is it M- Mouse Man? <laughs> yeah. I'd probably do Goo Goo as number two, but she's getting grandfathered no, in because of her past character. character. She's got a shitty character. Don't like that character. Don't like that character. Sorry, I am stalling while I look at the cast list <laughs> and decide who the third character that I want in my trilogy Trinity is. I mean, Eddie Redman is probably my third. Yeah. I guess so. I'm just trying to think if there's like another really cool, weird little character to like spotlight. I do enjoy. Vladdy? Um, no, I hate him. <laughs> he I sucks. hate him. I do enjoy uh, Tim Pickett Smith as Maledictes, who's another of these fucking like, oh, afternoon, sire. Yeah. You know, like it's just like a guy with makeup on his face. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, also, what's her name? The ca- Nikki uh, Amuka Bird. She's like the captain. Oh, yeah. She's cool. A lot, a lot. It's, it, we were doing the ten part miniseries. I think yeah. we'd have some fun with her. She projects a lot of confidence yeah. and like captaincy. Yeah. Even though she doesn't like have much to do. But she does that like on the record, off the record thing too. Like you get a sense that she's yeah. not just about business. She's like, I disavow your actions, Channing Tatum. But off the record, you're the bravest man I know, yeah. or whatever. That's that's fun because so, he like roller skates into the Great Red Spot or yeah. whatever. This movie looks so oh good. My God. It's such a good looking movie. I mean, look, it's beautifully designed. I'm not surprised, right? Wachowski's. It these costs one hundred seventy five million dollars, but it's all up on screen. It's on screen. It looks great. Um, but anyway, as we're saying, they go to the Capital Planet, and yeah. she has to like verify, and they like, and with Intergalactic Advocate Bob, who's like a robot man, and he's going crazy. Like he's he was built to advocate. He's played by Samuel Barnett. Uh, he can't deal with this shit. The fucking bureaucracy. Oh, you have to go here. You have to get this paper. They told us we had to come here to get this paper. Well, it doesn't matter what they told and you. You have to very, get this paper to get this paper. It's very Terry Gilliam. It's very tactile. There's all this like wacky business. Stamps, like, gears running in his head. Yeah. Love it. And then Terry Gilliam shows up for a second in an obvious and loving nod to his oeuvre. Yeah, and once again, they just fucking didn't, they didn't change his look at all. It's so... He's being very lazy. He's being funny. Guys. He's got like a laser monocle, right? He's got like an orange like computer monocle, and they made him look uh, even more like a bridge troll than he usually does. <laughs> and it's like a second where you're like, you're just sort of idly thinking like, man, this whole thing is so like Brazil. It's so Terry Gilliam. And then you're like, 
That guy kind of looks like Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Wait, that guy's Terry Gilliam. You know, it's the Wachowskis good. are going cameo. like, don't worry, we know. It's a good cameo. We know. We know what you're thinking. And then she goes off to Titus. Channing Tatum rescues her. And it's like. Well, well, first, first he's like, they're like, done. Job is done. There's also a moment I don't like in the film where they get on the ship before they go through all the bureaucracy when she's meeting like the crew and everything, the mm. captain, bird, whatever her real name is. Yeah. Uh, her character name is, rather. Yeah. Um, and. Stinger shows up. She thought Stinger was dead because when they left him, he was fighting off all oh, the guys. Oh, Jesus. And they're like, it turns out Stinger betrayed you or something. Well, before this, right. No, yeah. no, no, that I'm saying before this, there's the moment. I'm going back a little just okay, to talk okay. about this one line I hate, or the line reading, rather, where they're like, uh, and we got someone else you might know here, and the door opens up, and it's Stinger. And Mila Kunis goes, Stinger! <laughs> As if it's like her old friend. It's like, you literally spent 20 minutes together in a barn. And it, and you spent 15 minutes apart. Yeah. You know, like you saw him really recently. Well, but Sean Bean is a lovable man. He's lovable. Third build. Yeah, and he's really good in build this Build him up, man. Yeah. Got that third build. <laughs> got that third build. Got three. Gotta get that third. <laughs> Tired belling. I'm so hungry. Uh, me too. I need a sandwich so badly. But um, but uh, the I the film <laughs> treats it as if we're like stunned and thrilled that Stinger's back, and it's like, yeah, dude's third bill. I knew he was gonna be back. Yeah, Stinger's here, and then okay. it's like, oh, and he betrayed you. That happens later. So they go through the bureaucracy. Then yeah. they then they're like. Uh, then she goes to Titus. Titus tries to marry her. It gets but no, up. but you see Chang Tatum, and he's like, they're like, job's done. You're out of here. And then he's just like. Oh, and Stinger gives him the speech. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, you spent your whole life looking for one thing. Listen to me. No, searching. Like yeah, lone wolf. You've been searching for one thing, and now you found her. Gotta, gotta go get her. Gotta run after her. So he gets on his crazy shit with his crazy rocket boots, and he goes, plans this attack, breaks through the wall. They're, like, lasering the ring around her finger, which is cool. Yeah, that's fine. I like that. It's cool. Yeah, and that's then he, cool. Like, gets the, her the out of there. ceremony. He gets yeah. her out of there. It's like, this is fucked. He's going to kill you the second after the ceremony's yeah. done. He wants the planet. And immediately Douglas Booth is like, you're prettier than my mother ever was, and even more gullible. And it's like, really? That quickly you're going to be like, okay, you got me. I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> like, I'll announce it to everybody. Yeah. I'm and, a and piece of And the only reason shit. he doesn't die is because Mila Kunis is like, just get me out of here. Yeah, they're like, do you want me to kill her? And she's like, no, I don't want anyone to die. How many times have I had to say this? But no So death. then you're like, you're like, all right. You're kind of like, all right, this movie's like getting to be like about an hour 50, like hour 45. Like, what's I, happening? I took, I took a pause at this moment to check on the timestamp. It's like an hour 30. Okay. And another film, it feels like that would be the third act climax. But is you save her from the wedding. kind of rush through it. Yeah. Because Balam has kidnapped her Russian family. But I kind of like this because I feel like it's like a fake out ending. Like, not that you believe the movie's going to actually end at that point. No, because Eddie Redmayne hasn't been dealt with. Right. But that's the, the trigger that makes you realize. But a lot of stories like this, it's like you save him from the wedding. The real true love comes. They do the rescue. Like, end of story. And it's like, nope, you got one more boss to defeat. Yeah, so she goes to Jupiter because Balam's there. He's kidnapped her fucking She goes home family. first. The family, a lizard man comes in, then mouse dude, and they're like, eh, 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 So she goes back up to space. There's a beautiful shot earlier in the film, I forgot to mention, where the the rings of Saturn, where like a ship like mm, crashes through them, them as so if it's cool. like a submarine coming out of the waves. So um, cool. Do you know what I like about the visuals of this movie? Aside from the fact that they're very well designed, I think the Wachowski just having experience composite these images really well so the images feel cohesive and united. The live action plates and the CGI elements feel connected. I agree with you. I just don't think it's true of the action, which I think is very perfunctory. Here's I, what I, I don't think the action works as well. Here's what I like about it, okay? Mm. I'll, I'll say what I like about the design, then what yeah, I like about the action. Come on, man, yeah. 
I like that this film feels like it doesn't have any walls, right? Like when you see like the Marvel Thor movies, Asgard is like yeah, it looks I, like a neighborhood. Like I you don't, you don't agree get a with sense you. of the place. This movie, anytime they cut to somewhere new, it's like this thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I kind of agree with you in terms of the sets or whatever. Yeah. But not the ships, which I think are really kind of. I like the design of the ship. No, they look like whatever. What do they look like? They look like a like bird. Fractals. Yeah. yeah. They look like the, 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 they look like the one. After the uh, design yeah. of the Matrix, which has such great design for like the squids and the, you know, the harvesting pods and the you know, ships and all that stuff. It's so cool. This is like, this is, the, uh, which I admire. This is them just doing a completely different thing. It's gaudy. It's like the Renaissance. Yes. It's like these golden. But I don't think like, it works. Ships. You know what's a I cool, gaudy Renaissance ship? What? The Naboo Royal well, Starship. Well, we're talking all-time best ships want. ever. I yeah. just, less business. Make yeah. make me see the ship. I want to I wanna have you a want real. clean designs. Yeah, because the action scene where Channing Tatum and Sean Bean have to, like, break through the, like, force field of ship, you know, like, have to break through the defenses to get to Jupiter. Yeah. Total nonsense. I'll say this about the action scenes, okay? I don't know if I find them that exciting. Like, I don't no, feel a really visceral thrill watching them. Yeah, because you know what's going to happen. But I do think they're so beautiful that I like looking at them. Yeah, especially more the, the hand-to-hand shooting stuff is pretty cool looking. Well, but even the ship stuff, and especially I like all the stuff where, where Channing's uh, uh, rocket skating around. That's what I said, that hand-to-hand space. stuff. Yeah, that right, stuff's good. Right. Um, but, but what I like about it is, and this just gets to them being good filmmakers, good storytellers, right? Uh, they do a lot of crazy video game camera. This thing that's like, yeah. you know, you have a camera digitally connected to like two feet behind over the shoulder of the character and you're watching them go through crazy stuff. And there's the little bit of like an Uncanny Valley thing where when you're mm-hmm. watching stuff like that, you know, half the movie shot with a real camera, you kind of check out because you're like, yep. real camera couldn't do that, okay? Yep. Here- and you also know like, eh, Channing's got this. I'm saying the other films do that. I think they do it better than other people. Here's why. Mm-hmm. They back up. Like, they stay far back. So when there's, like, the ship in the middle or whatever, or Channing, like, jumping through it, they keep him small in the image, so even if the camera's moving around, we, like, have a sense of, like, not spatial geography because they're moving through spaces really yeah, the quickly. Geography this movie sucks. But we know where he is. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And you see him in his I, surroundings. I don't think we're going to agree on this. And it's not too herky-jerky. I don't think they work as action sequences. No. I think they work as, like, vi- like visual poetry, David. Mm, I don't agree. I think the action lets this movie down, and it, if it didn't, which obviously, like in a movie like The Matrix, it doesn't. Yeah, it would then you'd have a great movie on your hands. Yeah. And instead, you have a really pretty, cool movie that looks great, has a lot of great ideas, but does suffer in the plot and action department a little bit, little which I think is fine. Bit. Like it's yeah. okay. They didn't. They don't have to hit a home run every single time. Can we talk about another good element that that feeds into, especially the action sequences? What's the element? Uh, the score. Score is great. Michael Giacchino. Love the score. Guy fucking rules. Written before the film was made. Makes sense. Yeah. It feels like that. Which they also did with Cloud Atlas. Yeah, and uh, I know uh, James Newton Howard, yeah, James Newton Howard did with uh, Unbreakable as well. Another movie that feels like- Hans Zimmer did with Interstellar. Really defined themes, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's great. It's like, have you ever listened to it? It's like Jupiter Ascending, Act 1, 2, 3, 4, like leads off the score. Like an opera? Exactly. Uh, here's, uh, I, the joke I make about Michael Giacchino, we made at our friend, uh, Joe Reed's, um, Shout out Joe uh, Reed. Spelling Bee, movie Spelling Bee, which will be coming up, we're doing another one soon in you Brooklyn. You doing it? Uh, I forget the date, but it, well, I'll advertise Tell it at me. the time. Tell June. Me. Okay, cool. June something. I forget the date. Great. I think it's June 20 something. Uh, or teen something. I don't know. It's coming up. Anyway, uh, it's a fun event where we do a Spelling Bee with all it's actors' so names. Fun. 
I'm still smarting about how I went out on Mila Jovovich because Griffin's joke about her kind of tripped me up, but it doesn't matter. She has a sexual fetish for mid-tier and then I like genre mid- directors, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, Paul W S Anderson." And then I and I spelled her name Mila Jovich. Like I forgot yeah, you the fr- double O. You forgot the JoJo. Yeah, uh, Jovo. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, my job was uh, to read out the sort of Little like, can jokes. you use it in a sentence kind of things? And my one for Michael Giacchino is uh, Michael Giacchino's scores sound like he's a really good dad. <laughs> I forgot, but I remember now. That's so good. But it's I'm so really true. proud of it because I think it's funny, it's but I also true. think it's a good piece of film criticism. Like, you listen to, like, why do I like his score so much? This guy just has a great heart. He's the like, best. you hear his beating heart in all his scores. Did the Speed Racer score as well, which is incredible. Does all the Brad Bird's movies, a lot of the Pixar movies. Dude, Boss Star Trek. Star Trek. Rules. His, two, his two Star Trek scores for um, Abrams are top notch. Cannot wait for him to do a Star Wars movie. Mm, how dare you? John Williams will never die. But Desplat is doing a... He's doing Rogue One. Yeah, yeah a story. Cool. Let him do a story. A Star Wars story. Ah. Not a saga entry. Uh, anyway. Let's just... The end of this movie is basically an action sequence set inside the big red spot of Jupiter. You know, say those words to me. I'm just like, yeah, like so, so happy. But I will... I was complaining about this to you earlier, I think, yeah. where it's like, Balam is like, okay, you have to sign over the deed to Earth, and then I promised I won't harvest it for a few hundred years. Right. And I am at this point completely hung up on like, wait, I was trying to kill her earlier. Why can't he just kill her? Then the deed will like revert to him. Uh, and maybe it's because she like certified herself. Yes. And like doesn't have a will that That's, would leave it to yeah. him. If That's it, fine. If they had killed her early, no, I get it. I in get the it. operation room or in, in she the, wouldn't have been able to eggs. claim the title, and they wouldn't have been able to prove that she exists and all that. At I, this point, she's been certified. She's got the tattoo. I get it. But in the movie, you're just like you're kind of like. Ah. But I also think this ties to how many rescues there are in the film. Like the film uh, on a basic uh, structural level is like. Uh, you just get, get the main strokes. Like, what does the character need to do at this moment? Even if you understand the larger machinations I, of play, I, I buy that argument. That's I, I I know what you're saying. I think the film does kind of work on that level. Basically, yeah. because she just has to make the decision of like, you know what, I want to free my family because he's holding her family hostage. Yeah, you know, but I can't doom billions of lives just for that, so I won't do it. Now, yes. she is a little distracted by Channing Tatum, like, flying around on his roller skates and fighting dragons and stuff. I mean, who wouldn't be distracted? But, yeah. you know, yeah. she basically comes to this herself, and it's good. And then there's a bunch of nonsense that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. And Redmayne doesn't get a ton to do. He does say, I created life. Yeah, I created life. Yeah, he does it really well, though. Um, yeah. My problem with Redmayne is that in his final con- confrontation with her, where they're on this like landing platform that's about to fall into the mining abyss or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of like get blown around. The what are you looking up? I'm looking up a tweet. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, here, yeah, here. all I need to. Uh, Eric, Eric Brown, uh, listener, fan of the show, uh, had a really good run of tweets on Jupiter Sanding. But he said, uh, people compare Jupiter Ascending to an anime, which is apt, but it's also like Jack Kirby directed a female-led Matrix Reloaded in space. I mean, yeah, that's great. But the Jack Kirby comparison I really like, because Jack Kirby was just sort of like, more stuff. Let's just keep going bigger. Let's keep on going crazier with these ideas. And uh, like all his fourth world books, he had more time to sort of explain everything and lay out the pieces. Right. But this really does feel like a Jack Kirby movie to me. And especially now that the DC universe is going into the Jack Kirby elements, you know, the fucking Batman versus Superman teases Darkseid and apparently 
Steppenwolf is the villain in the next movie and like Cyborg came out of a mother box and I swear to God. It's so frustrating to me to see that Zack Snyder is the one who's getting the chance to do Fourth World because he's so literal and so oppressively like self-serious. The Wachowskis would and do I a good watch this and it's like, oh my God. It's the true. Wachowskis should have a DC fucking movie and get to do all the intergalactic no, stuff. No, but they, they'll never do something like that. No, they never too, will. They're too original and weird and strange and they don't want to do a franchise movie is my assumption. Yeah. Because they've never really sniffed around that kind of stuff. Uh, the I other mean, Speed Racer is the closest they came to making a And it was a property that no one else wanted yeah, to make no, at that I point in time. The other uh, Eric Brown tweet I liked is the Wachowskis are time travelers here to accelerate human consciousness with beautiful, crazy films about being nice to each other. That's a good tweet. I think it's really good. But you interrupted my point. Sorry. My fascinating I, I, You asked me what I was looking no, for. I, I know, was going to save know, those tweets for later. Redmayne yeah. is about to die, basically, and he's like, yeah. you know what my mother said to me when I, before I killed her? She wanted me to kill her. You know, he's like revealing this thing we he already the, basically we knew. knew which yeah, because he's talking like that. And he's the he's bad guy. suddenly loading mommy issues onto Jupiter. Yeah. He's like, mother, you, you asked me to do it. And she's like, I'm not your damn mother and your kills mom. him. Yeah. But like, also like, no, you need that from minute one. I am yeah. not interested in him suddenly being a weaselly little mommy's boy. Like, I'm happy to do that, but make it a grander arc. It sucks, and it feels yeah. like they're only doing it so she can have that like okay line. Although it should be, I'm not your fucking mother. Like, she, yeah, that should be. Use the fuck. You've got a PG-13. You got one fuck. But here's the thing: you were saying about the uh, PG-13. You got one fuck. PG's a hindrances. PG-13 is a hindrances. Yeah, movie, this movie saying, should right? be violent and crazy. And or, there should be like bug guts everywhere. Or bug guts. Or it should be PG. Yeah, I think this film's in a weird middle ground because. But it, I think like studios are just like no way. Like, but this film allowed. kind of feels more like a kids' movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's in a weird middle zone, and you were talking about it's like, like about becoming a space princess. Like it's like very right. simple, yeah. But, but much like Speed Racer, it's also about like intergalactic politics and business. But when you were saying that, like you know, the Matrix sets up a similar way. Here are a lot of crazy concepts. Here are things you don't understand. We're going to throw you into the middle of it through this one character who's learning it as you learn it, and you don't need to know what's happening. You'll get it eventually, or at least you'll get the broad strokes. I think, you know, The Matrix is a masterpiece. This is nowhere near as good, even if I have a crush on it and I want to make out with this movie. Me too, I agree. But, like, fundamentally, I think the reason why The Matrix was so big and this film flopped so hard is that this thing I keep on getting back to is, like, post-Matrix, the Wachowskis completely gave up on trying to be cool, right? I agree. And The Matrix, for whatever reason, is- That's one thing that's wonderful about it. Is as dense as this film, right? It's, It's clearer if you want to dig in, but it is as dense- but it is, by chance, by luck, by whatever, at that moment, they synced up with some sort of cultural notion of hipness. You know, I agree right? with And you, some though. aesthetic but coolness. When you compare that movie with its, like, heavy metal score and its leather jackets yeah. and its sunglasses and its machine guns and its kung fu, and then this is, like, opera and, like, crazy, like, renaissance-style, like, architecture and, like, fractal spaceships and- was, like- Goofy animal people and like. I think this movie should have been marketed. I understand why they didn't want to do it because it's a bunch of fucking old men who don't want to believe in other people. But like this movie is meant for, I feel like, like young girls. You know, like if the like at the time the Matrix came out, everyone was like, oh, it's like these dorky like anime like sci-fi bros. It sort of feels to me like this is like them being like, this is the movie that we wanted to see as like children growing up. Sure, you know. I think they wanted to see The Matrix too, though. I'm not. They're not disowning The Matrix. It's just 
they never want to repeat themselves. But this except is like for a Matrix fairy tale. It's like the Princess Bride, you know? And it is like this fantasy fulfillment element. You know, it feels like it's adapted from a YA novel that we never got to read. Um, it featured, you know, two hot young stars. Like, I felt like they messed up on this film by trying to push it to, like, sci-fi dudes. Yeah. Who were like, fuck this. It's got cat people in it. made it an action movie. Yeah, right. yeah you know? Um, I don't know if it was ever going to be a huge hit. It's it's an odd, esoteric film, you know? And it's so clearly them doing what they want to do in such an open-hearted way. And that sort of sincerity isn't very uh, hip these days. Um, but I like it. I like it, too. It I basically agree with you. with the rescue. They get out. Uh, and then we flash forward. Her and family buys her. Yeah, her family's memories have been rewritten, so they yeah. forgot about it. But I think the implication is like maybe they'll be. They've also been rewritten to just be a little nicer to Jupiter. Yeah, and they buy they her. They buy her a golden telescope, much like her daddy had. Very nice, which she was looking at on eBay like earlier in the yeah. movie. And then she's. Dating That's why she, she was going to sell her eggs. Yeah, I know. And she's dating. Cha- <laughs> Sorry. She. They go. Can we go <laughs> check out the telescope on the roof? And I can't got a date tonight. And they're like, who is he? Is he Russian? Does he do this? And she's like, I don't know. And they and all they laugh go, in unison. Ah, card cut. Card cut. <laughs> it's kind of weird. A hard fucking cut. So she's like, you know, still cleans toilets. She is the, the queen of earth who yeah. owns it. Cool. And she's dating Channing Tatum and he has giant uh, golden eagle wings. He's got his wings back now. They gave him mecha what? wings. normal? Written and directed by the Wachowskis. Well, now he's got these wings. Does he need those uh, hyper skates? No, he gave him the Jupiter. And they just swirl around Chicago, the skyline together. It's beautiful. Kiss, a kiss on the lips to you, Jupiter ascending. (laughs) So I just, now I'm going to just throw a lot of stuff at you that we need to do. Sure. Okay. One thing I want to mention to you is a thing on Wikipedia that when I read it made me, my head hurt. Okay. An eight-minute-long chase sequence, codenamed 52-part by the film's crew, depicts Jupiter and Kane fleeing from aliens and shaped spaceships in downtown Chicago. Sure. You know, the scene. It was the longest sequence in the script, involving the most difficult stunts. To complete it, Cunis and Tatum had to film every day for six months. That's crazy. So they're saying that, like, it was a six-month shoot and every day of filming had at least one piece of that sequence? I don't know. It's too vague to tell if it means that the six the, the shoot was six months every single day or if it was just the rigs for these crazy stunts that took six months. That's impossible. It seems impossible. That's impossible. But I wouldn't... Either way, yeah. oh my God. Oh my God. I do like that sequence. And I will say this. There are a bunch it's, of shots... It's okay. There are a bunch of shots in that sequence where you can tell that Chang Tatum is actually being like yeah, I see blown what you're around. Saying. You know what's tough. a good sequence? When Neo gets shot and he like... Flies back, and that took him a day. <laughs> it took him a day, and yeah. everybody remembers that. I just like it was a big production. They got to make this crazy. I mean, this is such a blank check movie, and coming off of two massive failures, you know, very much. So. I mean, technically three. I mean, The Matrix uh, Revolutions really disappointed the box office as well. But at yeah, that point, they'd it already did made some money. Yeah, it made money, and they made a profit off the second one because they shot them together. But this was like their big, like, okay, all that other stuff. Don't worry about that. Now we're gonna make you a real Wachowski movie. Yeah, and they got 175 million to make something that was like cool sci-fi, and uh, yeah. Well, we'll get to the box office. Another thing I want to say that makes me sad. Yeah, is that in a Reddit AMA, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, I Channing don't. Tatum was asked by a user, "Oh no, Jupiter ascending? What was that?" Yeah, and he shot back. Great question. I have the same one myself. Not that mean, but a little dismissive. Yeah, I so was he might not have been happy. For worse. Yeah, I, my uh, our buddy Derek, uh, my good friend, uh, great friend, uh, best Derek friend, Simon? Derek Simon, 
uh, he uh, and I were really excited for this movie and like we're really disappointed when it got pushed back. We're looking at the trailers and everything. And we we're like, why do you think it got pushed back? And he was like, I just read this interview with Channing where he said, like, you know, after I had my big year, I got offered all this stuff. And I think I made too many movies. And I'm worried that some of them I didn't put enough into. Yeah. Obviously, well, put enough time into this, but no, I could but see yeah, him being yeah, like, "I got to go from this to that it. to that." And it was that. a lot of business that he was probably just roller skating around. I yeah. mean, it's not shocking that he wouldn't understand. He doesn't have a lot of scenes. No, just like him and Mila Kunis hanging out. No, uh, they do have a really good kiss, though. It's like a really good on-screen kiss. It's a good kiss. I agree. Yeah. So the box office, um, is a uh, fort. <laughs> 47 million domestic. Oh boy. 136 worldwide. It clears 190 million dollars basically. 183 million dollars. Basically the budget. But still higher higher domestic gross than Speed Racer or Cloud Atlas. Yeah, by doubling almost. Yeah, so yeah. It was what was it worldwide? 183. Yeah. Not good. That's not good. So, can you we're going to play the box office yeah. game. There's a regular segment called the box office game. Yeah. February, the weekend of February the 6th, mm-hmm. 2015. Can you give me this film open number three at the box office? Yeah, uh, well, I can absolutely give you number one because I remember having a hard time choosing which film I saw first that weekend, and I did end up seeing the number one film first. I have not seen this film. It is really good. Yeah, I want to see it. Uh, I believe the proper title of that film is The SpongeBob Movie, colon, Sponge Out of Water. Correct. Yeah. 55 million opening weekend. Dessert. it. Uh, deserved it. Eventually cleared 162 domestic. Solid film, better than the first. Like it a lot. I like the first one. Uh, I do too. Uh, I just think this one's better. Uh, also a film with a terrible marketing campaign because they centered everything around the live action segment at the Which end. Is like barely in it. Ten right? minutes. Yeah. That's the end. Anyway, yeah. Number two movie had dropped from number one the previous week. It was in its seventh week of release. Okay, so it was like a uh, December. It was like a big December movie. So this is the biggest film of like December 2014. Was it American Sniper? Correct. It was the biggest movie of 2014. Yeah. Even though it only was out for like three days in that year. Yeah, it didn't go into wide release until 2015. Yeah. Okay. American Sniper clearing 23 million in its seventh week. That is bananas. An almost avatar level financial success that has very quickly vanished from the conversation is American Sniper. Yeah, what other fucking drama opens to 90 million dollars? Fucking Clint Eastwood, man. It's insane. He, you Don't mess with him. Don't mess he, with he him. He shits out eight turds, and he's just like, oh, American Sniper. What's it about? <laughs> oh, it's about a sniper. He's, he's, a, sniper. he's a sniper. 90 oh, million yeah. weekend. Oh, great. It's going to make 350 <laughs> domestic. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Okay. So number, number three. Number three, Jupe Ascending open to 18 mil. Yeah, poor Which is on the lower end of expectations. It's yeah. expected to open between 20 and 30. Yeah. Number four. Okay. In its opening weekend. With $7 million on a $95 million budget. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I think I know what it is. Was it another film that was pushed back an incredibly long time? The Seventh Son? Just Seventh Son, I believe. Okay. I don't think okay. there's a definite article there, but yes. But I th- Starring Jeff Bridges and Julianne Moore and that Ben Barnes tra- and Kit Harrington hey, and Alicia Vikander. Hey, uh, that film changed studios three times. That's crazy. It was produced by one studio, no. and they pushed it back for two years, and they were like, we don't fucking want Nobody it. Nobody saw that movie. Nobody saw that I movie. refuse to believe $7 million of tickets were sold that weekend. Yeah, that's crazy. That's also another film that weirdly did well overseas. Uh, like, didn't make back its budget. Yeah, it made 100 mil world, worldwide. Yeah. 114 worldwide, yeah. Right, and it made 14 domestic. Yeah. 17, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, number five is a movie that I don't even know what it is. 
I don't remember. I think it's a kids movie. Oh, it's a kids movie. Yeah, it's like it's like a kids movie or something. <laughs> it's mean, like it's a sci-fi so hard movie. for me to guess. If <laughs> it's like a sci-fi kids movie, I think. I think it's found footage. Oh, uh, Project Almanac. Yeah, that's it. Nailed that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, five mil. I don't know. I don't know what that is. It was a, a found footage uh, time travel movie. Did you see it? Uh, no, I know someone who's in it, so I just remember that film. That film also got pushed back like three years. Well, there you go. Uh, it's a weird weekend. It's a weird weekend of uh, things, of, <laughs> dusty old gems from the shelf. Yeah, also in the box office, hanging around Paddington, which is a great movie. Uh, Masterpiece. Great movie. Uh, the Wedding Ringer, which was one of the like 14 Kevin Hart movies. Masterpiece. What? It's actually the one Kevin Hart movie I haven't seen. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I, I don't want to see him be the straight man. Are you fucking kidding me? Get out of here. Uh, imitation Game, uh, Black or White, which I believe is the Mike Binder, Kevin Costner, needs to protect a black child from being adopted by her parents or something. I can't. Uh, from from her black grandparents rather than her white grandparents. Uh, that film was financed entirely by Kevin Costner. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, he paid for that movie out of pocket. Well, it, it cleared twenty one mil domestic and zero worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's the box office okay. game. Hey, but uh, we should definitely start wrapping up. I know. Yeah. Uh, if you guys would like, I could share with you some directors uh, that I think would be cool to do a blank check series on. Shoot. So, uh, Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Okay. Yeah. I thought he I mean, would be Pacific Rim is a classic blank check. Uh, you know, Katie Rich suggested Baz Luhrmann to me. He doesn't have a lot of movies, but he's an obvious candidate. And he's got the Netflix show that's coming out in the next couple of months. Okay. Now, all right, this probably isn't the best example, but I got to I gotta throw it out there. Mel Gibson. Totally, though. Totally good example. I would love to do it. It's, it's once just, again only four I think it's movies? Four. It's real short, four. but yeah. it would be kind of fun. A just little a little problematic. We could just throw off a month of Gibson, yeah. But this one I feel actually pretty strongly about. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if you guys are even familiar. Uh, do you know who Martin Brest is? Oh, yes. Of course. I would love you to do Martin You just want to Brest. do a Gili episode. Yeah, a writer-director of Gili. Yeah, I mean, know I would just Martin love Brest to but crush But he also made Midnight Run. He made Midnight Run and fucking Beverly Hills Cop. Which are so good. Meet Joe Black is also a total blank check Ooh, movie. That movie's crazy. And then yeah, his first film's Going it. in Style, which is about to be, has just been remade by Zach Braff. Uh, his first movie is Hot Tomorrows. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> so Going in Style was his second? Yeah, but I mean, it looks like it was a tiny budget thing. Okay. Um, I would love to do Martin Brass. I would love to do Martin Brass at some time. because we could do Pacino impressions. Uh, and well, oh, yeah, because we could do Sense, Sense of point. a Woman. Sense of a Woman. Anyway. Oh, right. And Sense uh, of yeah, a Woman. No yeah. one will listen to that. Series. That's the thing. That's why I didn't even suggest Martin Brass because it's not a very sexy idea, but maybe like fucking five years from now when we're just like a golden franchise. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, sure. If we can float it. Um. So before we get to the book report, yeah. uh, we should rank the Wachowski films. Okay. I don't know how you feel about that. And next week we're doing Sense8. Uh, I mean, we're not done with the Wachowskis, but we're done with their films. Nod. Okay. Ooh, okay. Number one Wachowski film. The Matrix. I agree. Number two Wachowski film. This is where it gets tough. I'm going to go Bound. I'm going Cloud Atlas. Number three Wachowski film. Speed Racer. Me too. Me too. And Interesting. Cloud and Speed are neck and neck. Yeah. For number two. Number, I'm not sure which I love more. Number four for me is Cloud Atlas. Your number four is? Matrix Reloaded. 
Number five for me is Jupiter Ascending. Bound. Number six for me is Matrix Revolutions. Uh, same. And number seven is Matrix Reloaded. Jupiter Ascending. Okay. Good stuff. Okay. Basically love them all. Basically love them all. Yeah, me too. Uh, I now sort of love the Matrix uh, sequels, sort of warts and all. I love them as like my fucking troublemaking kids. You know, they're my two twins I have, who are Hellions. But I, I, I gotta love them. You know, they got they got the right genes in them. Now, what's the deal with this book report? Okay, I'm gonna read it. We'll see if I read the whole thing. We might post the rest of it online. We have a Facebook page now. You should like us on Facebook. Here's an incentive: we'll post the full a uh, book report uh, along with um, some some fan fiction. Um, some erotic fan fiction that was written. But this is from uh, Adam Schwartz, a listener. Uh, we've gone over time, so we're going to end on this. Uh, unfortunately, we're, you know, we're going to have to rain check a uh, burger report. Well, do we have any burger reports? I don't have any. Ben, do, 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 I mean, do, 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 I've always got one. Yeah, so let's save that for next time. Next we'll, time. we'll load it up, and uh, the orange twist file we'll save for next time. I refuse to dignify that. <laughs> the orange twist file? Um, the fruit file? Do you like that name better? Okay. <laughs> So this is uh, from a friend of the podcast, Adam Schwartz. Here's the book report. Uh, The title is, M. Night Shyamalan becomes wide awake after he visits a few schools and makes an unbreakable argument for why he has a sixth sense about locating signs of what is happening in our nation's school system and what it takes to fix it. Hint, it takes a village. Holy shit. There are, are two things that M. Night Shyamalan wants to make very clear to the readers of his book, I Got Schooled. One, that him and his foundation have, through copious amounts of research over a four year period of time, compiled five solutions that when used concurrently will successfully close America's education gap, and two, that the person writing the book is visionary director M. Night Shyamalan. The main idea of the book stems from when M. Night Shyamalan was scouting locations for schools in the opening scene of The Happening. He noticed one of the schools he visited was shitty, so he decided to take it upon himself to fix it. Why? Because he's visionary filmmaker M. Night Shyamalan. In his own words from the book, he's the world's biggest optimist. He always has to be the world's biggest whatever. This causes Knight to set up a dinner where he, his wife, Bavana... But Bavna, I don't know, I'm sorry, Bavna, and several other rich people, one of whom is simply named the social genius, I don't know why either, needs to once and for all fix, quote-unquote, America's educational system. This would all be fine if it weren't for Knight's constant back-patting of himself. When you can't figure out who is to blame, his wife tells him, M. Knight, that's because you don't believe in enemies. Barf. I think you mean snarf. The five keys to closing the education gap I mentioned earlier are based on the ideas that keys, the keys to make a person healthier, don't smoke, eat less fatty foods, etc., only work when you do them all in tandem. And if he was going to close the education gap, he wanted to find a similar list of five things. He allegedly does this, and the middle part of the book is devoted to explaining each of the five keys, which are no roadblock teachers, the right leadership, feedback, smaller schools, and more time in school. I'm not going to get into the middle portion of the book because it was where he got into detail on each of the five keys, and it seemed like it was a well-researched collective of different studies that M. Night used to back up his points on why they'd be effective. It's easy to read, and I think I learned a little bit about the American education system. I also learned what food M. Night was eating every time he met with someone. Jesus Christ, he always mentioned what he was eating. The man really loves food. End of report. Uh, Someone who reported on education for five years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Adam, for that book report. That was book so report good. was great. Book yeah. report was great. Job. What do you just, guys want to give him? An A plus? Uh, yeah, just an A. I'm just gonna give him an A. Yeah, you know, okay. strive. You know, always you want to strive. Right? But I don't want to give anyone an A plus because I want that to be the thing. We're I want to give towards. myself a chicken sandwich. Is what I want to oh, give myself. Somebody's hangry. All I'm right, gonna do the same do thing. This. Okay, no, uh, Adam Schwartz. Thank you for the book report. Thank you, uh, M Knight. I. It's just. 
a lot of rich people try to change the school system in one day just by, yeah. you know, cobbling together a bunch of shit. Small schools have been statistically proven to be no better than big schools. A lot of other research I could give you, but this is not the time or the place. Yeah, also, doesn't matter. How are you going to fix schools if you can't adapt the last airman? I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> one step at a time. You got to walk before you can run. <laughs> These things are on the path. So we got to do Sense8 next week because we haven't even really said goodbye to the Witch House. Well, we're doing Sense8 next week and we're doing, doing the Sense8. Animatrix after that. So now I have to watch 13 episodes of Sense8. <sighs> yeah. Woo! Cannot wait. It's only 12, but they're each an hour long. Oh, my God. And a, a Netflix hour, not 44 minutes. No, I know they're what They're like mean. 57. Peak TV, am I right? Peak TV, am I right? Uh, thank you, Adam. Uh, fan fiction will post onto our Facebook page as encouragement to like that. To yeah, like, please like us on Facebook. Join the Facebook page. Uh, join keep the Facebook revolution. Uh, by the time you're listening you to this. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. The, the Facebook reloaded. Um, by the time that this is, you're listening to this, the poll will be online on our Facebook and our Twitter, so please vote. I love how we were like, we'll be done by three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. Oh, Jesus Christ, we're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, as always. Uh, and, and, and as always, love dogs. <laughs> I've always loved dogs. I've always loved dogs. I've always loved dogs. <laughs> This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 